Hello, everyone, and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the Nimbus 2000 of the West Coast, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? I'm a little sore. I spent all night hanging by my thumbs in the dungeons. <laughs> Oh, I mean, it's the good old days, back when they do those sorts of things. Classic, classic education. And joining us from the vomit-flavored birdie bots every flavor bean of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? I'm acquiring new pets by gambling with strangers. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what's in that egg. (laughs) <laughs> just don't uh, before we tell you what that's about if you like what you hear today please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button also be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well so we watched harry potter and the sorcerer's stone or uh, the philosopher's stone if you live in a civilized country and john how would you tell someone you watched harry potter and the sorcerer's stone without using the title i saw the formative adventure of young Mary, sorry, Gary Sue, (laughs) as he acquired his first magical MacGuffin to become the chosenest chosen one that ever got chosen. He is the most protagonist-y protagonist of all time. Oh my god. And Jules, if the producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this movie, what would it be? Oh, there's only one choice here. The Magical School of Liability Insurance Nightmares. Oh my god! How are there not dead kids littered in the hallways it's fucking insane (laughs) the most ridiculously dangerous school imaginable (laughs) and they cut out the prank playing poltergeist (laughs) yeah they did (laughs) yeah my favorite damn character of the whole series peeves didn't get yeah they don't include peeves in the movies bullshit We'll get into it when it happens, but that is something that continues to piss me off about this movie. (laughs) Nick was peeved about it? Uh, It's going to be that kind of episode. (laughs) So guys, what are your experiences with Harry Potter? The movie, the franchise? Well, I'll start it off gently. When the books came out, I didn't care. Uh, I was almost out of school. I was almost 20 when this movie came out. It was definitely later that I saw it. And I had a part-time night job. Someone that I worked with was talking about these books because they were reading it to their kids. And, you know, it's actually an entertaining story as well. That's when I started checking out. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I saw the movie and I went, wow, this is the most direct adaptation I have ever seen. It's a point for it and against because there's no like flavor. It's the page is on screen. There's no artistic vision for the first two films. It's once they got other directors in, you started getting, you know, a little bit more uh, artistry, I suppose you could say. Yeah, I mean, in my case, I, I mean, I disliked it as a kid, mostly because I spent a lot of my time in an English school. And the one thing I didn't want to read about after I left my English school is more kids at English schools. But but also it was just kind of overhyped. You know, everyone was talking about how incredible it was. And, you know, I tried the second book and really didn't grab me. Oh, second is by far the worst. By far Exactly, which I found out later. And what made it worse is that I actually had the same haircut and glasses growing up as Harry Potter. So everyone kept calling me Harry Potter 
So I grew to hate it to a degree. Although I have to confess, though, watching it again this time, I actually admit I enjoyed it. I really did. I think it's mostly because after coming out of a pandemic and entering into a potential global nuclear holocaust, I think, you know, a sweet magical story about a kid in a school just suddenly helps. Sure. I mean, a school that's literally trying to kill him at all times, but sure. <laughs> yes, of course. So I, kind of similar to you, Jules, because I did not grow in England, but I went to very British style schools and i was definitely the age that this movie well the book was like i was 11 when the book was like when he was 11 in the books and i the books came out every year and i enjoyed the books thoroughly then the movie came out and look you think i'm a snob now <laughs> imagine me as like the snob i am now magnified through like the lens of adolescence yeah the lens of adolescence oh i watched God. this movie and fucking hated it i was like this daniel radcliffe sucks at acting <laughs> <laughs> I, I straight up was like the, the Harry Potter fucking sucks at acting all like the cool shit that gives this world flavor is not there they do nothing like like basically all the opinions that I have I still have them now I'm just like a little more chill about it so I hated it I went to that one and I think I saw the second one just to see if they got it got better I'm like nope this nope. still fucking sucks <laughs> and I got every other Harry Potter movie I've seen after the second one is like outside my consent like somebody like I dragged to the next two oh my like somebody God. put the fifth one on at like a house party later and I was just like ah oh, these suck so hard because the books are better like this is like one where like the books are better you've got to give it one huge asterisk though some of the best English actors are in this movie oh my god yes oh this Google. cast is insane it's absolutely I, it, insane it's it's ludicrous i mean i was like 20 minutes into this movie and i was an inch away from seeing god save the queen i swear to christ it was <laughs> <laughs> but my goodness Mag i mean richard harris maggie smith it, it just the list goes on and on and john hurt mm -hmm. john hurt robbie coltrane Alan fucking Rickman? Alan, Alan fucking, fucking Rickman. Rickman. Oh, rest in peace, Richard Harrison. Alan Rickman. Oh my goodness. Two minutes on camera and Alan Rickman has already bewitched us all, I think. And he... Wait, we're not talking about Die Hard here. I mean, that was his... <laughs> <laughs> his magnum opus. Well, that was his first film role. Wow. Yeah, seriously. Well, damn. But that's the thing. Like, you have all these incredible actors, and most of the kids suck. <laughs> like, they would get better in later movies or, like, later in life. And, like, I have to be fair. Come on. They're 11. They're being thrown into, like, this major blockbuster. So much pressure, so much expectations. Like, obviously, I'm being fair. But, like, when I'm being, when I'm who's 13, I'm not being fair. I'm like, fuck you. I paid to see this movie, and this kid sucks. They can't all be Christina Ricci, and none of them are at that level in this one. I was surprised at how good they were in this one watching it this time a little more critically because this director Chris Columbus had commented on some of the later films and how he appreciated how they could have that artistry and more complex scenes because of how much the main trio at least had grown as actors because there's a lot of shortcuts within scenes within this simply because they could not maintain character for a long period of time. Oh my yeah, God. of course not. So that's why you get some kind of choppy editing here and there. And yeah, they do get better. I think Rupert Grant is the unsung hero of this series. Absolutely. Out of the trio, like the three actors in this movie, he is hands down the best. Uh, we should remind ourselves that 90% of this movie is 
these kids gawking and being astounded at magical shit. But I only think two of them should be astounded by magical shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's one of my big criticisms. Uh, but one last final touch on the kid actors. Radcliffe actually had a little bit of experience with an insane group of talented British actors uh, a couple years prior to this, and I own a copy of it. He played young David in a two-part miniseries for David Copperfield. Ah, yeah, the, the man-hating aunt was Maggie Smith. Uh, the the lady who plays like Madame Hooch and the Quidditch referee in this was in it. Amelia Staunton, who would go on to be Dolores Umbridge. Oh, she's a wonderful actress. Uh, it also had like Bob Hoskins and Sir Ian McKellen and just, again, an insanely good cast. But he was like eight years old, so of course he wasn't starstruck by anybody Crazy. at the time. <laughs> there are like four British actors and they're in everything that comes out of England. I, I think that's just <laughs> what it is. Like, I think this is where, where Jules runs into the, oh, you're British, so you must know all other British people. Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. Well, circling back to like how you perceive it now, like Jules, like I, I also have a, a very similar opinion of the series now. I went to a British-style boarding school. I had a fucking awful time. <laughs> being right. bullied slash dealing with a lot of xenophobic bullshit being like the, the american kid because i like oh, never really yeah. lost my accent and so yeah like at some point it was like i read the books to like, do it but like yeah i don't think i wanted to watch the movies in part because that was my fucking hell every day exactly the uniforms the old buildings the it was not a comfortable schooling experience like it no and my movie. food was nowhere near as good as the food they had like, i would have fucking killed somebody to have food that good i still would based on the food they have in these banquet <laughs> scenes man so yeah i generally avoid the harry potter series so i don't have to remember my god awful time in fucking boarding school that aside trauma aside this was <laughs> freaking mad like again if you weren't there at the time how big a cultural phenomenon just harry potter like not even just the movies the fucking franchise insanely popular so much so that they created alternative cover art to make it look more mature so adults could read it without feeling embarrassed that they were reading a kid's book. One of the many things that occurred with this, yeah, I mean, it was it was things that you would see in the age before online pre-orders and shit like that. Stuff that was reserved for big movie premieres and rock concerts where people would camp out outside of bookstores for days in anticipation for the release of the next book. It just Absolute mind-bogglingly popular. Yeah, people getting dressed up in costumes to get their reserved copy of Harry Potter. But I think something we have to discuss is the fact that America got its own version of the title. Oh, for fuck's sake. It was, it was yeah, basically I don't, the- I don't get it either. Jules had like a bit of a fuck you Americans at the end of the last episode when I announced yeah. this. But dude, I'm right there with you. I don't get it. I don't know if would people not buy it because it had the word philosopher in it. Because that would make it seem too brainy or maybe not children's book. But the the bullshit about that is the Philosopher's Stone is an object from like, you know, folklore, legend or whatever. It's, it, exactly. It's a I mean, fucking established thing. It, it was going to be my very first note at the start of this movie is that before we even start, either the American audience is this dumb or the publishers, producers and marketers think they're this dumb either way substantial dumbassery going on here agreed well here's the thing it was scholastic's fault 
And they looked at it and they're like, oh, well, Philosopher's Stone, that just sounds really old timey. We don't think it's going to appeal to kids. Like Sorcerer just sounds better. And like Philosopher's Stone just sounded too stuffy. So it was a mix of our points. It wound up being the publisher and it was the, this sounds too cerebral for a kid's book. Yeah, cerebral, stuffy, old fashioned. And it didn't fucking matter. Like they were going to read the book anyway. It's Harry goddamn Potter. Like of like Harry Potter takes a shit. They're going to read that book. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is that they recorded it both ways. You know, in England, it was called the Philosopher's Stone, and they said philosopher. So there actually was a cut of the movie for Philosopher's Stone, because I've searched and I could not find one. It it was in England, only released in England. I know, but I found no evidence of its existence, even like a movie review or anything like that. (laughs) No, that's the one I saw originally. Oh, fancy you, sir. (laughs) Which explains why I turned out so philosophical. (laughs) And why I'm such a goddamn sorcerer. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. But Jules, can you make the elixir of life? That's the thing we need to know. Well, are you almost number of the beast years old? Is that what's (laughs) happening here? I got something right here that you can elixir on. Oh, I'm still a little hoarse from lighting leprechaun pipes, so sorry. But I think that's also another thing we got to mention. Speaking of the Mark of the Beast, yeah, this got and continues to get so much pushback and outrage from like religious groups. Oh, it just happened again a couple years ago. Seriously? Yes. Yeah, just a couple years ago, it, there was this um, Catholic school that was banning the Harry Potter books, and that hit the news. And I'm like, okay, private school, it's your library, you can choose what to have in it or not. But they couldn't keep their mouth fucking shut and claim that it was full of actual spells that, when read aloud, would summon demons. Yes. The spells in this are shitty Latin. Like when people want to speak Spanish just by throwing an O on the end of an English. (laughs) I don't even know Latin and I can tell how bullshit a lot of this is. I love that there's a school somewhere that actually believes magic exists. It's unbelievable. Oh, dude, there's a certain level of religiosity. And again, religious (laughs) listeners, not all of you. We're talking about the crazy ones. And with that out of the way, we have a long-ass movie to review, so we're going to take a quick, quick break. And when we come back, we're going to break down Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Philosopher. Well, Harry, it's another birthday, and of course the Dursleys didn't get you anything. I guess it's just a sad birthday cake drawn on the dusty floor for you this year again. (gasps) Oh, oh, hell... Definitely got a splinter there. Wow, you're really big and hairy. Who are you? Oh, yeah, hey. Uh, John, assistant groundskeeper, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Wizardry? Wizards are real? Oh, yeah. You're a wizard yourself, of course. I was here to deliver your acceptance letter. We never heard back from you. But I never applied to any wizarding school. Kid, look. You're accepted to a school of magic and wonder beyond your wildest dreams, and you're really going to start asking questions about how that happened? Really? Well, sorry for being curious. You could be anybody. All right, fine. Fair enough. No worries. Uh, yeah, we also understand it's your birthday. I also deliver presents, so here you go. Something just from me. Whoa. It's a custom t-shirt that references my favorite movie. Yeah, listeners might not know this, but I'm pretty good at thoughtful gifts for people. A lot of times I make them myself, including custom t-shirts. Listeners, are you doing some sort of meta-commentary? 
Okay, what did I just say about questions? Hey, I want a custom t-shirt too. Shut the fuck up, Dudley, you little brat. Look, my boss was going to come here. You would have been lucky to give me a little pigtail or something. I will turn your ass into a bacon goddamn sandwich and feed you to Fluffy. Mommy! What's going on down here? Oh, uh, look, this is way more people than I am comfortable with, all right? I want to get back in my hut. It's, I've been outside it for hours. Harry, come on, let's go. I'm going to help you get to school. Let's just go. Come on. Stop or I'll shoot. Muggle, please. This is England. We both know that's not a gun, Vernon. It's, what, two pipes? Yeah, I see the duct tape attaching it to the broom handle, all right? Harry, come on. Let's go, man. This is starting to feel strange. Are you actually allowed to take an underage child from their legal guardian without their permission? Pretty sure this is kidnapping. More questions? All right, you know what? Fuck this. I don't need this. Stay here with your shitty-ass aunt and uncle, all right? I'm leaving. Give me that. Give me a pa- No, no shirt for you. Wait, no, my Animal House t-shirt. No, come back. Oh, bugger it. You're gonna beat me with those pipes, aren't you, Uncle Vernon? Oh, you better believe it, boy. And we're back. We get the Warner Brothers logo. Did not fuck with the logo on this one. They would fuck with the logo in later movies, but this one, they kept pristine OG original flavor. Yeah, for me, my note here, oh, John Williams, you have seduced me. Oh, God, the best part of this movie is the is the music. So like, right from, from frame one, when you hear the music, it is just enchanting. Yeah, kicks it off with Hedwig's theme. You know how it goes. Everyone else calls it the Harry Potter theme, but that's not its name. You could perform music over Leprechaun, and I would be engaged and emotionally <laughs> invested. But here's the thing. Apparently, he came up with Hedwig's theme before he had seen a cut of the film. He just wrote this this was just like a thing that he was inspired to write it's the man's just that good he's just that fucking good so we open up to an owl standing on the sign for privet drive my mind keeps going to privy is there a certain definition for privet though is there some other way to think about this no you have to think privy this is a toilet yeah this is like suburban (laughs) hell the british version where dumbledore is just walking in plain sight yeah it just comes out of the woods doesn't give a single fuck dumbledore gives no fucks that's one of the most amazing things about his character and he's always just calm and collected that quiet confidence played by richard harris oh my goodness what an act he was the perfect actor for dumbledore you know it just absolutely you couldn't have cast it better and did it under threat wait what what do you mean he did it under threat his grandchildren found out he was up for the role that he had no interest in and threatened to never speak to him again if he refused to be dumbledore wow (laughs) um so yeah he comes out of the woods and then he steals the street lamp lights with a device he pulls out of his robe instead of just like extinguishing them, which I feel like he could have done. But again, played very straight out of the page. Why wouldn't Why he... wouldn't he do it before walking into the light? I'm gonna just gonna guess what you're saying here. Yes. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> we have no idea how this device works. And when you get to like the final installments of this series, it makes even less sense. Exactly. I mean, McGonagall goes to the effort to literally transform herself into a cat. Meanwhile, this casual wizard walking down the street. Yeah, stealing the light instead of just extinguishing it, which I believe is within your purview. And so, yeah, he turns and addresses a cat as Professor McGonagall. The cat turns into Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith! Yay! 
Hey, even though she reminds me of in this movie, she reminds me so much of a horrible teacher I had when I was like 10 years old. I still love her. It's impossible not to love both her character and the delivery. It's just, it's just so It is good. illegal to hate Maggie Smith. <laughs> Stern with a heart of gold. And why doesn't she trust Hagrid to bring Harry to the house? Like, this doesn't pay off at all. Like, can we trust him to bring... Let's be blunt. Hagrid's a buffoon. That is true, now that I think about it. It's not that she doesn't like Hagrid, but it's like, really, something this serious? Fair enough. And the fact that Richard Harris gives that very calm rebuttal to her, it's just like, okay then. Uh, all right. You entrust him with your life? Cool. I'm going to be cool with this now. I'm yep. Maggie Smith, Professor McGonagall. So then John arrives. <laughs> the Sorry, I mean Hagrid. Hagrid. Sorry, Hagrid. This movie does have a moment where giant Robbie Coltrane with a great big beard flies in on a motorcycle. Uh, okay. Was it a motorcycle or a Stuka dive bomber based <laughs> off of the sound effects? I think it might have been a Stuka dive bomber. Because he's not driving up the street. He's descending from Atmo. <laughs> Part of me did expect him to say, my knee aches twice as bad when it's cold. How cold does it get in Dimitri? <laughs> he just got done threatening Pierce Brosnan, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful GoldenEye references. Thanks, guys. We actually referred to him as Russian Hagrid in that movie, too. So. <laughs> Russian Hagrid. <laughs> So between the dive bomber sounds and the tire screeching when he lands, he definitely wakes the neighborhood up. Yeah, good thing they turned all the lights off. <laughs> yeah, that masked the sound or whatever. Yeah. And so Professor McGonagall asks them why, you know, they need to leave him with his shitty relatives. Harry Potter's got the, the baby Harry Potter because he's going to be famous in the wizarding world. And Dumbledore says that it would be better for him to grow up away from all that. Which I think is a nice sentiment, but as Maggie Maggie Smith points out, these are just the worst people. And they make the excuse of their family. But man, when they are this level, it's just no. I don't hold to the you have to because they're family. Agreed. If your family is abusive or some shit like that, you are well within your rights to cut them off. Yeah, later on, J.K. Rowling fixes this glaring plot hole. I still don't care for the explanation when it was given later. I, I still don't. Yeah, but in this one, it is basically, uh, he wants him to grow up humble, and so that's a good reason to give him to an abusive family. No, if you want to go that, if you don't want him to grow up famous in the wizarding world, there's better ways to do this. It's a stupid mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. So yep. anyways, after some tears from Hagrid, Dumbledore puts a letter on Harry Potter, wishes him luck, leaves a baby on a fucking doorstep like a good person. <laughs> He's like, I'm piecing the fuck out because we scar flash into the logo, the Harry Potter logo. And again, John Williams seduces us with his awesomeness. <laughs> Cut to 11-year-old Harry in his iconic closet under the stairs, woken up by his aunt who unlatches it, unlocks it from the outside. There's like a deadbolt. Jesus, so Dudley, who's the son, just to be a dick, like runs up and down the stairs making noise. Dudley, by the way, would grow up to be the guy from the Queen's Gambit. Which guy? He's he's the dude with the super narrow eyes. <laughs> he has always had super narrow eyes. Yeah, he's he's in the Queen's Gambit. So, but now he's a dickish little child and he's running up the stairs and lets us know that they're going to the zoo today. 
and it's it just me like the evilness of the Dursleys. It's just cartoony, right? Like, the, like it's just yeah. oh, fucking yeah. Saturday morning cartoon villain level of evil. So ridiculous. They make him cook breakfast. They're barking orders at him. Dudley's like bitching about the number of birthday presents he's got. Like it's two less than last year. Definitely he's in for the quantity over quality. But uh, again, just there's a surprising amount of subtlety towards Radcliffe. Like he has the the physicality where he's he's a little more hunched he's he's always got his head down like even when he's making and serving breakfast and that sort of thing of just trying to be as invisible to these people as he can very deferential to them not fighting back and my question for you jules is is child protective services not a thing in britain is that not a number child protective services is definitely a thing in britain even with the layers of bureaucracy and these people would be in jail yeah okay yeah i get the feeling that harry's like almost never even left the house like he hasn't had any schooling up to this point of his life is how this comes across yeah because like later we'll see dudley in his school uniform and harry not in his school uniform so it's like is he just homeschooled who the fuck knows and other nice note he is obviously wearing dudley's old clothes Everything is just way too big, baggy, loose. You know, you got to cinch the belt on the pants so they'll even stay on his scrawny little malnourished body. But again, like, this is one of the many details that the book brings up that it's not really gripped into in the movie. Just like the scene that's going to happen now where outside Vernon, the dad, threatens Harry about getting up to any funny business. And I'm pretty sure, like, the book expounded on, like, because Harry has done some weird magical stuff in it, like, inadvertently. Like, Yeah, it mentions a few aspects accidents here and there. I, I can't particularly recall them. But yeah, his uncle threatens him with starvation. Mm-hmm. Threatens to murder him. Yeah, threatens to murder him because of things that we, the audience, haven't seen. Like uh, some alleged funny business that we are not privy to. We are not privet drive to. <laughs> now we're at the reptile house at the zoo and Dudley is bored by a giant steak and so him and the rest of the Dursleys leave Harry who starts talking to the snake. Yep, just starts, you know, having a little chat. I mean, he's doing it as a talking to himself, but holy shit, this snake responds. Yeah, like, and they were both bred in captivity. Him, you know, it's, they're, they're buds. They got this in common. And they never explain this in the movie, but this is because Harry is able to speak parcel tongue. This is a thing that happens in the first book that doesn't get explained until the second one anyway. Yeah. Pretty sure it gets explained in the first book. No, because everyone is fucking surprised when it happens at the dueling club and they have to explain to him that talking with snakes is, uh-uh, no, uh-uh. There's a lot of setup that doesn't really have payoffs if you're looking at this as a single thing. Okay, well then I clearly did not remember the book that well. My issue with this is how he's able to do magic without a wand. Because rarely do wizards in the rest of the series show that they're capable of magic without wands. Yeah, it's a weird thing. You almost never see it happen. They always have a wand as to like focus their concentration. But it also explains, again, books that usually by the age of 10 someone has done like accidental magic and being born into a magical family without having any abilities that is a thing it's really rare i think it's also explained that filch he's one of those yeah yeah i believe they're called squibs but yeah magical family but does not have any powers in and of himself yeah yeah, i remember that he's actually taken like correspondence courses to try and learn <laughs> certain charms and stuff like that but it's not in the movie I, we, we're gonna be here forever if we do this stuff 
But Dudley sees that uh, the snake's moving now, so he shoves Harry out of the way. And then the glass disappears and he falls into the snake container. No wand. I don't know. Yeah, again, this is one of the incidental, accidental magics. Uh, you know, the funny business, as we heard uh, just moments before. Lovely production design I never noticed before. As we're at the reptile house, there's a school group there who's... Um, School colors are all green, which is the same as Slytherin, who has the snake house. I, this movie has incredible production design. The yeah, entire series yeah. has incredible production design. They, they've definitely been nominated for Oscars, maybe one a few. And honestly, like, look, the CGI of the snake, it's definitely showing its age, but it's still really fucking good, actually. It's still pretty good. I, I notice that when it comes out and it says thanks to Harry... You know, like when it's right up there, his face, it's crystal clear, but it's such a huge snake. It actually loses focus as the body goes off into the distance. Yeah, it holds up. It's way better than some other 2001 movies we could mention that we've watched. <laughs> it's a lot better than some of the stuff in this very movie. <laughs> yeah. True. So anyways, back at home, uh, Vernon locks Harry in his cupboard, tells him that there's no such thing as magic because Harry's like, I don't know what, it must have been magic or something. There's no such thing as magic. You know there's a thing. Notice Vernon predicts the reality of this world and it's really cruel and awful and fuck. <laughs> and now we get the Hogwarts letter sequence. Oh boy. I actually kind of like this. Yeah, so Dudley sees a letter for Harry and heavens it diverted. It's like, who the fuck's going to send this kid a letter? Ah, they're all making fun of him. And then Vernon sees that. It's from Hogwarts, and his face becomes super duper serious. Yeah, him and his wife exchange a little look of like, oh, shit. <laughs> more and more letters come, more and more owls come, and the owls don't leave. The owls just continue to chill outside. They're like, well, I did my job. Yeah, you'd think they had more letters to deliver. They drop off to the Dursley residence, and they just chill. They're on the roof. They're on the cars. They're all over the place. Vernon is just intercepting all the letters. He's tearing them up. He's burning them. He's burning them and like smiling at Harry yes! as he's doing With it. With an amazing amount of glee. And then he does, I think, the worst possible way you can try and barricade a mail slot on your door because you open them from the outside <laughs> and he puts a single plank vertically <laughs> on the inside like, you can still open it you can still squeeze letters around that thing <laughs> what the fuck are you doing vernon and we're, on, we're not sure how long this goes on but he's become like stir crazy about this but his hair's like all disheveled and he's just speaking in a sort of loopy way about how wonderful sunday is yes it is like why is why is it so wonderful today and harry's like well yeah because the post doesn't come it's like exactly harry because the post doesn't come on sundays but you know that it's a fucking owl bringing it the Royal Mail doesn't hire owls to deliver letters. Oh, shit. That's right. Because they, you know, as they know about Harry's parents, they had the whole shit look at Hogwarts. Yeah. Why would you assume that the magical community holds Sunday business hours as, you know, any sort of reverence? Yes. <laughs> that's an amazing point. The Owl Union doesn't let them deliver on Sundays. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, so now we get 
the thing that like was in the trailers, very iconic to the movie, where all of a sudden things start rumbling and letters just start flying into the house through the chimney, like the slot on the door gets blown off. Through every orifice, yep. They just get gangbanged with Hogwarts acceptance letters. And I find it really hard to believe Harry didn't get one and just like run. Yeah, yeah, me too. He did. But he like... Yeah, but he could have dropped it and just grabbed another one. And <laughs> yeah. And grab another one. Yeah. He he also made the mistake of not trying to get the fuck out of the house. He tried to run <laughs> to his little, you know, cupboard under Love the it. stairs. Yeah. So now <laughs> Vernon declares that they're going away to where they can't find them, but it's like they found you with owls. Like where like how do you think <laughs> you're getting away? Yeah, it's a weird thing the way the owl system works in this is you just have to address it to the person and the owls know where to go. <laughs> yeah. They'll figure it out so cut to a shack on a rock island yeah my note for this is english vacation homes have never looked prettier (laughs) oh the best english roasts are coming from the englishman i'm loving it (laughs) i'm just thinking this is the kind of vacation i want i don't like going to you know the warm sandy beaches yeah a, a, a stormy rocky coast just enjoy some lightning and maybe getting washed out to sea and drowning that sounds like a good time That's not, that's not where you're going to go on vacation. That's where you're going to like live at some point. That's like your <laughs> ideal living situation. No, this is this is my vacation timeshare. My main residence is the decrepit church from Airbnb. <laughs> Fair enough. But seriously, there aren't there like way nicer islands you could go to. Like, come on. Yeah. But that's where they'd be looking to find you. Well, anyways, uh, Harry, everyone's asleep, uh, except for Harry, who's sleeping on the floor, and he's making himself a sad dust cake. Yeah, he's drawing a cake. He's not, like, (laughs) piling dust together to pretend it's his birthday. He might as well be, because they're trying to, like, compare his birthday to Dudley's. Then he gets distracted by a casual home invasion. Yeah, so forced perspective me bursts into the room. (laughs) Yes, John is back in the movie. (laughs) bursts in and scares the shit out of everyone and Vernon Petunia come down and Vernon's got a shotgun which I thought were illegal in England but apparently not you do know there's more guns in the country than there are in the city don't you yeah John knows the movie to quote in the countryside there are rifles and others such arms allowed okay but this shotgun isn't going to deter Hagrid. Fuck no, he bends the barrel. Yeah. He bends the barrel <laughs> upwards, and so when Vernon shoots, he just shoots into the ceiling. He's just like, oh, <laughs> shut up, man. Yeah, you fucking <laughs> asshole. Yeah, Hagrid does not like Vernon. Then he mistakes Dudley for Harry because humor. He didn't expect Harry to be that heavy. Yeah, he fat shames who he thinks is Harry, which I think. But a in bit... a delightful, whimsical way, he's like, "Oh wow, you're you're a bit bigger than I thought you would." But all right, cool, whatever. True, true. I was kind of expecting them to starve you, but hey, I'm, they've been feeding <laughs> you. That's good. That's good. I feel a lot better now. And then Harry reveals himself, and Hagrid's got a birthday present for him. He's got a cake that he kind of sat on a little bit although it doesn't look sat on does it no it looks like it just got shook around during the motorcycle bomber run it's <laughs> <laughs> fucking world war ii dive bomber i like to think that before production like they had loads of tests sat on cakes like they just got a line of cake boxes and took took turns sticking their ass on it i have no <laughs> doubt that they did Hagrid's weird ass misspelling of happy birthday they probably had yeah. like 12 different iterations of that of course 
Yeah. And so Dudley immediately, because he's the fat kid, like is eyeing these cakes. Yeah, what a greedy little shit. Little fucker. And so Hagrid <laughs> lights a fire with his umbrella and introduces himself. He tells Harry that he's the groundskeeper at Hogwarts. And like he assumes that Harry knows what he's talking about. And why? You know he was abandoned. You know he was raised by muggles. Why do you, the fuck would you think he would know anything about wizards and shit? But Dursleys know about it. And so he just assumed that they would have told him. I mean, the, the story of what happened to Harry when he was a baby is literally world famous to them. So why would he not know? And oh my God, does he get indignant as fuck? fuck when he finds out they haven't told him anything well we also get the famous line here that you know everyone quotes you're a wizard harry yeah yeah it's true and yeah just daniel radcliffe's reaction to that epitomizes why i hated him as an actor he's like what me a wizard no way <laughs> this is acting but it's not no way it's like no the, the, that can't be right it's still very suppressed, you know. I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah. not taking away from your point, but it's not just a whoa, really. It's a no, no, no. I'm not a wizard. I I can't be anything special. Is where he's coming from. Right. With this. Yeah. Yeah. But what I wanted to bring up was on Petunia's freak comment because I feel like that has become a cliche. When someone has superpowers and they get called a freak by the air quotes normals. That has become a bit of a st cliche now. I, I, don't, I find it really irritating. Thanks a I lot, Stan Lee, thing. for kicking that shit off in the 60s. I love X-Men. That's that's my favorite title. It was perfect for <laughs> X-Men, and, you know, it makes sense. But now it's become a cliche to the point that that line just really irked me. I say it's just another hit of these being just the fucking worst. And it's it's really that she's jealous. Oh, yeah. Because they had a witch and her sister suddenly has these abilities. And she is so pissed off at how proud her parents were of her sister. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's actually a lot going on behind the scenes with these characters. Yeah, for sure. Amount. Which we don't really get to explore. And yeah, so basically they, they had told Harry that his parents had died in a car accident as opposed to getting blown up by Voldemort. And I love just how explicit it is, where it's just like, no, your parents were hunted down and murdered, <laughs> basically. Do you get that, 11-year-old? Do you get that? Cool. Hey, I, love, I grew up on Dark Fantasy. I love it. And there's a line that I absolutely love. It's, you don't have to tell children that dragons and monsters exist. Just show them they can be defeated. Kids can deal with dark shit and storytelling. You just have to put the right framing into it. Fair enough. I've got to also bring something up. Was I the only one who thinks the muggle comes across as a slur? Oh, it's absolutely a slur. Absolutely a slur. Okay. They're just clarifying. Yeah. By the way, wizards, that's our word. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you wizards talk to me about it and I'm just like, muggle, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, to quote Force Perspective Me, yeah. And what's a big tough muggle like you going to do about it? Like, he might as well have just said boy at the end of that sentence. <laughs> exactly. Well, in the middle of all this casual racism, there's also <laughs> Harry Potter getting his acceptance letter finally. And by the way, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when you get an acceptance letter to a school, it's usually because you... You applied there, right? Like people, they don't just. <laughs> That's like, not set... how shit works in this world. Apparently not. I was like, how the fuck do admissions work at Hogwarts? There is you... a sentient book 
and Quill, and they have to agree if someone's magical enough to be entered into the register. Sure. As good a reason as fucking Eddie. That is literally the reason. I'm not pulling this out of my ass. That is an ass pull from the lore. (laughs) Well, anyways, Hagrid also catches Dudley eating Harry's cake, gives him a pigtail because he's a little piggy, and told Harry that he's not supposed to do that because you're not supposed to do magic uh, in front of the muggles. Uh, So also, apparently, they're behind schedule. Uh, Hagrid's on a schedule that starts at midnight when he fucking bursts through the door. (laughs) (laughs) This is the beginning of the constant repetition that goes throughout this movie is everything's got to be hurrying up quickly. Come on. Let's go. It's just the way everything moves forward in this is... It does clip along pretty well, I must say. (laughs) I mean, the movie is two and a half hours long, and if you're just watching it, not pausing every so often to take notes like we do, it clips along surprisingly well. Yeah, I'm just saying it would be a lot faster if you remove those lines, which (laughs) add absolutely nothing. But we have to have the time to tell you that there's no time! (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, cut to London. I would also like to say the credit goes to the CGI with the establishing shot of the Thames. They removed all of the trash barges that usually (laughs) float down there. (laughs) That was some top-notch CGI. Um, Harry's reading off a list of school supplies he needs to get, and then Hagrid leads him into a bar full of people from the 1600s. Like, what? We see the Weasleys later. We know that wizards have normal clothes, but they dress like they're going to a fucking Ren fair. It's crazy. This is a choice they've made to dress like this. It's not nearly as weird as if they had leaned into the book descriptions, though. So just yeah, another thing that like disappointed me about this movie, like, and I think with a lot of people who like read the book first, we read the book at a time in our lives when our imaginations were just fucking wild. Like if you remember like being a kid, your imagination Mm. goes to some crazy places and like you also don't necessarily have the best reading comprehension. And I remember talking to a cousin of mine about, you know, the movie and the book and she said, yeah, you know, in my mind, Hagrid was like this big orange monster. Wow. And I don't think she's the only one. Yeah, because like, again, kids don't have great reading comprehension plus wild imagination equals the world you probably created for yourself as a kid was way more awesome than anything they could have ever put on screen i'm absolutely on board with what you're saying it's just that i came into this you know in my early 20s so i've already had you know i've I've kind of moved out of that true and so i've mostly seeing it through the same lens and so so when i see hagrid or like the entrance to this bar i'm just like yep they fucking nailed it. I thought so too. I thought Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid was fantastic. And the makeup effects and the beard effect, everything that went into it, I thought was pretty damn good. You no, know, it it's all really good like as an adult, but I'm talking about like what was contributing to my disappointment when I was younger. Uh, okay. So anyways, they're walking through this bar and how the fuck, especially given that his scar is covered up by his hair, does this bartender recognize Harry? Everyone knows how many years have passed. They know he would be the right age. And so now here's Harry, a first year, with the, you know, an authority from the goddamn school being given a tour to get his school supplies. It's not that hard to put together. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yeah, this is where, like, Harry really starts to protagonist. He's going to protagonist like a <laughs> motherfucker in this movie, but, like, this is where they start laying it on thick. 
And even like Harry's going to call it out. Like, how the fuck do they know me? Like, why, am, why is everyone talking to me? Like, even Harry's going to call this out. And this is also where we meet Professor Quirrell, who gets introduced as the defense against the dark arts teacher, which means nothing because we will never have a class with him. Like, he's... <laughs> Such a poorly developed character for, spoiler alert, the bad guy in the movie. So anyways, Hagrid taps on some bricks in the stockroom to reveal Diagon Alley. Okay, here's what I don't understand. There's a certain pattern that you have to tap these bricks with your wand to open up the wall to be able to pass through. It's at face height for Hagrid. Hagrid's like eight goddamn feet tall. (laughs) Yeah, if you're a Gringotts goblin, you're fucked. (laughs) If you're an average size adult, you're like, you're really reaching hard to get up there. Luckily, there's plenty of trash around. Climbing on the trash, I was going to say. Yeah, just clamber up. Yeah, exactly. It is London. <laughs> this is where everything from the Thames went. <laughs> Maybe there's like different brick sets at different heights that you can tap on, depending on how tall you are. Anyways, I think we can all agree that these brick effects did not age well as like the bricks move to the side. But anyways, we're now in Diagon Alley and it's just, you know, lots of shops. People are going around wizarding stuff everywhere. Hagrid's kind of pointing stuff out. He's like, and over there is where they get your bits and bobs for doing your wizardry. And this whole fucking place is for getting bits and bobs for wizardry. Hagrid, what the fuck is like you doing pointing at one specific place? There's also ice cream shops. (laughs) Yeah, but there's like, this is the main shopping thoroughfare of England wizard. And witches, basically, yeah. There's just owls and bats for sale in the open air. Yeah, why not? Uh, they pass, like, I guess, a sporting goods store where kids are foreshadowing the Nimbus 2000. Like, oh, that's the best room <laughs> there is. They're just casually expositioning, yeah. They were standing in awe, and then the power of the protagonist passing by just overcame them, and they had oh, to exposit. Yeah. They had to exposit. <laughs> Next time we pass any shop window, <laughs> we have to all simultaneously stare through it and talk about whatever we see loudly so that any protagonist walking by will be able to engage. Exactly. The return of the $5 footlong. That's one of the best deals in fast food. It's only $4.99. In other nations, it doesn't technically count as bread. (laughs) (laughs) That's seriously true. Ireland has decreed that Subway's bread is not technically bread because there's um, a disproportion of like sugar to flour ratio. Oh, well, then, then just most American bread is not bread in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, so, again, like, the Nimbus 2000 named in the 90s when, like, the year 2000 was a big thing, so it seems kind of quaint in hindsight. But actually not, because, again, this was a period of its time, and the next film, there's the new model that's the 2001. So they have the same naming conventions we fucking have in this world. I mean, uh, you know, what's the next FIFA game going to be called? <laughs> So what makes a broom faster than another broom? Because apparently like this broom's the fastest model I out don't there. No. <laughs> like, do they just magic it a little more than the other ones? Like, is is aerodynamics like a thing? Like who the fuck knows? Wood? I don't know. You'll eventually see some that have like there's a little not quite stirrup, but like places to rest your feet. That's the only Yeah. And the sweeper part of the broom is nice looking. (laughs) That's honestly the only differences you can really ever see. So now Harry's wondering out loud to Hagrid how he's going to pay for everything he needs. And Hagrid points to 
Gringotts Bank, uh, which was apparently designed by Salvador Dali. I don't know how they got him to design this bank. <laughs> My note is also that uh, the magical world doesn't know how to architect. Nope. Nope, it does not. Uh, so Hagrid tells him that the only safer place than Gringotts is Hogwarts. And given what we later know about fucking Hogwarts safety, this does not instill a lot of confidence. <laughs> given what we know about Gringotts safety, I'd say he got it reversed. <laughs> uh, this place has like a maze of tunnels and vaults and you have to have specific keys and spells and uh, again further series there's a goddamn dragon guarding part of this place crazy <laughs> Well, yeah, so now we're inside the bank, and then I, I didn't remember this like during my first watch through, but like Harry and Hagrid are attacked by the leprechaun because they stole his gold. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but Warwick Davis is going to be here. Warwick Davis is the goblin at the desk that Robbie Coltrane deals with, and then the one that they actually go with to the vaults is Vern Troyer. Okay, so question, because I have so many questions in this movie. Hit me with it. What we got? How in this world of magic is it this fucking complicated and time-consuming to make a withdrawal? They have to, like, fill out a slip, you know? There is so much about this world that is time-consuming and unnecessary. Again, owl post. Yeah, a fucking owl post. (laughs) And a lot of useless shit. So much, yeah. A lot of stuff that's really poor quality control. Well, anyways, you know, Harry's got his key. Like, Hagrid's got Harry's key so Harry can make his withdrawal, and he's also got, you know, got to get something else on Hogwarts business. You know, gives the dude, the head goblin a secret letter. And now they have to take, like, an Indiana Jones cart ride through a cavern to get to Harry's vault. Yes, protagonist. Did you not know that you're also goddamn rich? Hagrid's like, you know, you didn't think your parents would leave you nothing, did you? And I mean... I never met my parents? You keep bringing them up like I knew them? So... All he knows about his parents thus far is that they left him with an abusive family. And got themselves blown up. But not in a car crash. Okay, so here's another thing. So they open the vault and it's just piles of gold. And as we know from the books, they've got D&D currency. They've got gold pieces. They've got copper pieces. They've got silver pieces. Yes, but unlike D&D rules, these are British rules and they do not have a simple you know, metric style <laughs> system of moving from one currency to the next. It's not like 10 copper pieces equal a silver. It's like three of this equals five of those. And when you get 20 of those, that makes 12 of these. <laughs> yeah. No, it it does not divide in a logical fashion. Yeah, you're supposed to have like galleons, sickles, and whatever the copper ones are. Nuts. I think it's like K-N-U-T-S. Yeah. Knuts, yeah. D's nuts? D's knuts. (laughs) Oh my god. Anyways, so Harry gets some money. And again, why does he have to go to his vault to get the money? Why don't they bring the money to him? This is just bad customer service. So then they go to the vault where Hagrid's thing is. And Hagrid's being very quiet, hush-hush about like what this thing is. And the goblin just like swipes down with his finger, like a series of intricate locks on the back of the door. and Goblin magic! Yeah, goblin magic. There's just a paper-wrapped parcel inside. That's it. Yep. Hagrid grabs it, and he's like, look, you know, don't mention this to anyone, Harry. And as we will know, like, Hagrid really sucks at keeping secrets. So this, like, he should have, like, left Harry in the hallway while he dealt with his own shit. If Hagrid does not have specific instructions, he doesn't think before he speaks. That's just a character trait that he has. Dealing with the goblin, he's really good about, oh, uh, 
you know what and you know where and don't mention this and da 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 da. And then later he's just like, oh yeah, here's all this shit that's going on around you that you need to know for the plot. But he always gets that moment of, oh, I shouldn't have said that. So it is definitely a character trait that he doesn't think before he speaks. Also, notice that Hagrid's lamp, when they're waiting for them to open the, the his vault here, it's green and red. He's got a green, he's got a Christmas colored lantern that he's holding. He stole them off Santa's sleigh and smashed them together. Crossover with the Santa Claus movie. Santa Claus movie. Anyways, <laughs> movies you hated as a kid, movie you hated as an adult. Two great tastes that go together. <laughs> <laughs> So Hagrid tells him to go into Ollivander's and he'll be there in a bit. Hey, Hagrid, this is the moment where you go back to the bank for the secret business so Harry doesn't know about it, you <laughs> yeah, dumb no fuck. Shit. God. And so Harry goes into Ollivander's and Mr. Ollivander is played by none other than John Hurt. Yeah, this is the moment where I seriously felt crazy patriotic. I mean, I almost didn't recognize him without a chestburster coming out, out of his thorax. <laughs> I got it eventually. And so now we get the trying out different wands sequence. Because, you know, like the wand chooses the wizard. The yeah. wizard doesn't choose the wand. My note here is, why the fuck is he doing this in front of all of his stock? Surely he could come up with a safe space where he could test the wand. There's that. That is a great point. And so, but here's the thing, these wands where he's able to inflict great power, he's like blowing like shelves apart, knocking things over because they're supposedly don't suit him. But then when eventually he gets the wand that does suit him, it just kind of... He gets a level up. This is an RPG level up. A light shines down on him <laughs> and a bit of wind starts blowing. He levels up. <laughs> Yeah, it just makes it slightly windy. It's crazy. And I remember in the books, it was supposed to like spark and do something really cool. No, he got a spotlight instead. Yeah, he got a spotlight and some wind. And that's how it like, it's dumb. <laughs> he obtained the power of Grayskull. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Alivander finds Harry's attunement with this wand curious because it's made with a tail feather from a phoenix that only gave two feathers and one of them was in the wand that gave Harry his scar. A.K.A. the man who murdered your parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't really mention that part of the story. It's implied. I do like the sort of speech that Ollivander gives, especially just the, sort of the substance of greats. He talks about terrible but great, you know, just the fact that great is not synonymous with good, which I absolutely love to pieces. I really did. My note here is, is Ollivander a Voldemort sympathizer? And he's like, you know, you know, hey, you are going to do great things. And how the fuck could you possibly know that? Chosen one. So anyways, Hagrid interrupts this with an owl for Harry's birthday. Yeah, there was never a discussion about this. The school supplies like, oh, you can bring a pet and here are the acceptable ones. And Hagrid just buys him an owl. Well, I mean, the owl is infinitely more useful than most of the others because you can deliver mail with it. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong, but maybe Harry would have appreciated the toad, okay? That is true. Maybe Harry's a toad guy. But here's the thing. This is a question I need to ask you guys, because do we ever learn Hedwig's name? Is Hedwig ever named in this movie? I don't think we ever hear her referred to as Hedwig. I don't think so, no. Yeah, because he, he names, like in the book, he names her Hedwig. He just has this white owl that does not get named Hedwig. And I think I picked up on this when I was a kid and was pissed off about it there. Like, they never fucking say her name. Is there any sort of name that's even similar to Hedwig, or did he just make up a word? I don't know. That's a 
great name, Hedwig. It's like sock shoe, hand glove. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you have now ruined this for me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm giving you props there, M-word. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so back at the Leaky Cauldron, Harry asks if the guy who gave him his scar also killed his parents. And, you know, Harry Hagrid struggles to, like, tell him the name of the dude that did it because, you know, Voldemort's the V word of wizarding. Oh, yeah. It is absolutely taboo. No one ever says his name. Even all these years after his supposed death, they're too afraid to even utter his name. And so we get a slow motion flashback of Harry's parents getting getting killed while Hagrid gives Harry a very vague version of Voldemort's backstory about him wanting power and blah, 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 blah. It's not very well shot, is it? No, like... It's not very good. No, it isn't. They are horrifically destroyed by some green light. And the way it's shot is just really like a, a home movie. I'm very glad this kind of slow motion fell out of style. Like, people don't do... Like, when you do slow motion these days, it looks so much better. These days? Nah, Baywatch does slow-mo better than this shit. This is... We took regular footage and slowed it down because everything is motion blurred. Yeah, it looks awful. It looks like a bad scene from an episode of Goosebumps. Exactly, yeah. There were good ones? No. <laughs> so we learned that Harry is the special because Voldemort couldn't kill him. I think uh, Hagrid became even more endearing to me in the scene just because he said codswallop, and that's a word that I really <laughs> think we have to bring back. That is such a good word. Codswallop. I'm going to start using it more. Some people said he died. Codswallop, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the closest I'm going to get to a Robbie Coltrane voice. Sorry, everybody. You did pretty well there. You did pretty solidly. <laughs> so now we're at the train station for Harry to head off to Hogwarts, and uh, Hagrid just gives him a ticket to a platform that defies logic and then fucks right off. Yeah, my note is, will people please stop abandoning this child? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, hey, Hagrid, I get you got like a fucking schedule here, my dude, but you can take the 10 minutes to take this child who is not familiar with your world to the crazy fucking nine and three quarters platform that no way exists in Muggle land. And people are able to teleport in this world, but Hagrid is mostly forbidden from doing magic. And he was obviously drawing stairs as he walked through this train station. So how the fuck does he Batman out of view when Harry tries to ask him a question about platform nine and three quarters? I have no idea because yeah, I have the same note. I'm like, Hagrid pulls a Batman and disappears. <laughs> Just Harry turns. I hate it when he does it. Harry turns and takes a few steps and sees him crouched down behind a bin. <laughs> <laughs> After asking a conductor about Platform 9 and 3 quarters, and he's like, you know, oh, you'll be jabbing it off here, you know, like, fuck off, kid. Yeah. Over here is some people talking about muggles. Because such great pains are taken to keep the Wizarding World secret from everybody. <laughs> he hears someone talking about muggles witnesses people do this magical thing through the you know, little barrier and then just walks up and is like, hey, how's that work? And she spills the whole beans to him. She has no idea who this kid is. Yeah, well, all he did was overhear the racial slur. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so... How does nobody see these people running into the fucking pillar? Like, they're just people walking around. Exactly. Ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to admit as well, I, I grew up in England. I spent loads of time taking trains all over the place. 
I don't remember anyone even bringing trolleys to the train station. I'm not sure how true that is. They're airport trolleys that they're pushing around. Interesting. By the way, is there a platform nine and a half and like platform nine and a quarter? Like, I feel like the existence of platform nine and three quarters implies that there are other fractional platforms. You can never actually get to platform 10 because you have, you know, three quarters and then five eighths. And you can always get that extra fraction in there. There are an infinite number of platforms. So anyways, Mrs. Weasley explains how to do it. Harry runs through with all his stuff. How do you know that there's not somebody on the other side that you might just be like running at full speed into? Yeah. I mean, you, 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 it's been a long fucking day. Okay, Taz. <laughs> Namini fresh. Namini fresh. Namini fresh. <laughs> um, yeah, thankfully you never see people just doing it in a line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like once you go through, you need to get the fuck out of the way because the person behind you is coming. Keep moving, keep moving. And I just want to say this in general, keep moving. This goes for, you know, entering a supermarket. Agree. You walk in those doors, keep moving, get to the goddamn side. Don't just stop in the doorway. Come on. Unbelievable. It is one of those things, though, that between John Williams and the sort of classic look of the train, I realize how much I miss train travel. I agree. Like, I saw this and I'm like, I appreciate the fact that they used a real train for this. Like, yeah, we see a real train going through the English countryside on the way to Hogwarts. And again, got to appreciate the Photoshop in adding sun and shadows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a distinct lack of clouds. Really well done. Really well done. <laughs> really pristine. Yeah, Jesus. Another thing that I have, because I, I, I overthink shit way too much. This is the Hogwarts Express. Yes. This is the means by which all the students get to school. Yes. It departs a specific platform in London. Yes. So if you do not live in the greater London area, <laughs> fuck you, apparently. You've got to like make the trip to London just to take the one train. Like if you live in Edinburgh, it sucks to be you, my dude. Like Again, we're going to stop diving into the rest of the series, but I you're right. I can't explain it within this within the bounds of this story. As a Londoner, I I can confirm that London is the only significant city on that island. <laughs> <laughs> but Seamus, poor Seamus. Shame- is he has to like take a Ryanair flight from like Dublin or wherever the fuck he's from. <laughs> I love that you chose Ryanair. <laughs> charge extra for Bertie Bot's beans. Oh god. They they charge you by the beat. <laughs> so we're on the train now and Ron, Rupert Grint, uh is like, hey, you know, hey, sorry, you know, all the other places are full, apparently. I don't know how the fuck that happened, but can I join you in your compartment? Sure, why the fuck not? I apparently got a compartment all to myself, even though every other compartment is full. Passive protagonist powers. Constant activation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they are best friends through happenstance. After Ron gets over being starstruck seeing his scar because he recognizes that it's Harry Potter, Harry does exactly what every 11-year-old with money would do when the food cart comes along. He buys fucking everything. (laughs) It's true. 
Did it for all of us. Did it for all of us. He's like, yeah, like Ron has like his sad sandwich. His mom packed him. Ron gets to see how protagonist powers operate because he's got his little sandwich and he's got a few canuts, you know, so he can't really buy anything. And Harry's just like making it rain in this fucking thing. Get some galleons up in this bitch. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get ourselves some beatus on the way to school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, get all the fucking things. And yeah, so get introduced to chocolate frogs. Pretty buys every flavor of beads, which I really question Bertie Botts' quality assurance team if they're letting bogey flavors and liver flavors through. That is nowhere near the extent of what the fuckery is going on with in-universe Bertie Bots. As Ron says, they mean every flavor. <laughs> yeah. I get it from a marketing perspective, but from a quality assurance perspective, you're gonna lose customers. That's all I'll say. Well, if it's every flavor, conceivably, there is like sweaty ball sack flavor. And that's <laughs> and that has been in a child's mouth. There is um, delightful cheesecake with raspberry drizzle and a hair. <laughs> so, yeah, you introduce chocolate frogs, which come in a package, which also has a, a trading card. And like the frog just suicides itself out the window. <laughs> But also we get introduced to the notion that pictures in the hair in the wizarding world move. Like cause he gets the Dumbledore trading card and then Dumbledore fucks off and Rod's like, yeah, well you don't expect him to like stick around, do he's got shit to do. Yeah, yeah. I got a question for this. Does that imply that everyone who's on a card stands around for a certain amount of time every day for these cards? It's, again, never made clear as to how this works. I think it has to do with maybe that older superstition of a photograph captures part of your soul or some shit like that. Because it's not like Dumbledore has um, an empty frame in his office that he just goes and stands and poses in front of. <laughs> that Now, Lockhart would do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But not Dumbledore. Come on. No, 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 no. Well, anyways, Hermione comes in. Emma Watson catches Ron trying to, like, turn his rat yellow like that's his pet and he can't like the, the spell is like his brothers gave him doesn't work he just blows the candy box off his rat's head that sounds like a euphemism <laughs> i don't want to know hey you want to make it even worse this is a middle-aged man in disguise <laughs> it's so true <laughs> yes it is you won't learn that for two more installments but this is a middle-aged man in disguise who has been passed down their family as a pet from brother to brother <laughs> Oh, God. They sleep in the same bed. So gross. Um, Yeah, so Hermione makes fun of him and uh, fixes Harry's glasses again because he's a protagonist. Then tells them to get in their robes because they're going to be arriving soon. How does she know? She's never taken this ride. By the way, so much of this movie would not progress unless Hermione was like doing shit. Legitimately, actually the hero of this story. The shadow protagonist. <laughs> Here's the thing. Apart from that incidental accident shit, Harry never even cast a spell. This entire movie. No. I mean, I'm sure he does in the book, but yeah, we do not see him casting spells or doing magic and all this shit. He traps Dudley in the snake pit. No, I'm saying, apart from that accidental stuff, oh, and that super magic command word of up, but no, as far as like we're in a situation, we need to cast spells. It's sometimes Ron, often Hermione. She's the one unlocking doors and shooting blasts of light and all kinds of shit. So Hagrid meets them at the train station and takes them to the boats. This is a tradition. All the first years have to cross the lake on boats just to scare the shit out of them. 
Because it's the middle of the night. They don't know what's lurking underneath there. There's carriages for literally everyone else. And this is part of just so that they can set up the goddamn banquet. Because when they go in to get sorted, everyone else is sitting there waiting for them. Yep. It's inefficient on purpose. What the hell, Rolling? I can't nitpick while I'm hearing John Williams' music. I'm sorry. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a little... <laughs> Yeah, we get great John Williams music because the kids are wowed by their first views of Hogwarts. Yeah, I mean, the constant looking astounded at beautiful shit, this is sort of where it starts to be noticeable, and it's going to get a lot more noticeable very soon. Oh, yeah, very, very much so. So they go up a flight of stairs, this gaggle of first years, and they meet Professor Gonagall, who needs to exposit- What? You said Gonagall, it's McGonagall. McGonagall, whatever. Maggie Smith. So she needs to do some really, really chunky exposition. Basically introduces the houses and oh boy, oh God, just take me back. So yeah, everyone's going to be put in the houses we're going to live with. They're going to be like your family. No, they're not. They're going to be fucking assholes. And, you know, there's the house cup and like you get points for doing good stuff. You get points off for doing bad stuff. And the house that with the most points at the end wins. So then Malfoy introduces himself, Draco Malfoy. And he also introduces his goons who will not fucking matter in this movie. Ron giggles at his first name Draco and he doesn't giggle at Crab, which is clearly a funnier name. I think he giggles just with the haughtiness that Tom Felton brings to this <laughs> introduction <laughs> yeah like he, how full of himself he is malfoy draco malfoy yeah this is the kid who's grown up with so much privilege of course you would be amazed and grateful that i am even bothering to speak to you chosen one protagonist friend yes look hey you're a famous wizard i come from a famous wizarding family look make sure you align yourself with the good kind of wizard not the wrong kind of wizard like that fucking weasley over there And Harry's like, look, I'll decide who the good and the wizard, bad wizards are. Thank you very much. This is, for all his super protagonist characteristics, this is a neat thing with Harry. He recognizes that kind of personality that he grew up with coming off of Draco here. Yeah. But you still get so many times with the family, with other teachers, even with other students. With him, he gets into that cowed sort of submissive thing. But if you talk shit about one of his friends... He'll get right up in your face about it. Yeah, yeah. This is probably the first legit character moment I felt that Harry actually gave. You know, he actually just stood his ground. So now they're led into the Great Hall for the sorting ceremony. Those hats look stupid. For anyone who weirdly has never seen this movie before, they're dunce caps. They are dunce caps. (laughs) They're black cloth dunce caps. So stupid. But we get some like foreshadowing from Dumbledore. He says the forbidden forest is out of bounds and the third floor corridor is also out of bounds for anyone who doesn't want to die. The fuck is it doing in a school? <laughs> what the? That is by all capsules here. What the fuck is this school? It's a goddamn death trap. Like everything we will learn about this fucking school. You did skip a thing. We get to see Filch, who is orchestrating the Red Wedding in his head in the corner. <laughs> yes, Walder Frey is there, chronically filthy as ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, what happened in the 90s where just people stopped aging? Because again, this dude looks exactly the same in Game of Thrones as he does from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I don't know, man, when you're that angry, it just preserves you. <laughs> so yeah, so now we get the sorting ceremony with the hat. Everyone knows about the sorting hat. And I got a sidebar really quick because I've got to go back to my Warner Brothers days because 
Warner Brothers, the museum, the second floor was all Harry Potter shit. It was all stuff from the movie. Oh, but And one of the things that we had to do as tour guides or any guest who requested it do a sorting hat thing. So they had a chair that you sat down and you had to hold the hat above them because you couldn't put it on their head for hygiene reasons. And then you'd hear the hat go, oh, I know what to do with you. Gryffindor, Ravenclaw. Like, and by the way, there was no Hufflepuff wow. recorded. It was either Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw. Like one house was not in the recording rotation. I would say probably most likely Hufflepuff got excluded. Most likely. It's the worst name and represented in the movie. Bravery, smart, evil, or miscellaneous. Which one are you? (laughs) (laughs) With a really powdery name as well. Yeah, but they got a goddamn badger as their mascot. That's pretty awesome. They got that going for them. But what, what people didn't know was when the guests sat down, they were pushing a button built into the chair with their ass. And that and like that, then that would trigger the thing. So like you would have like a couple second delayed. So you would have the hat over their head by the time the recording started playing. I'm sure that was built by uh, ass cake guy. <laughs> yes, the ass cake assistant. He took those skills and he did something with them. God damn it. And there was no sort of like little questionnaire or challenge chatting with the guests or whatever. It was just up to RN Jesus about which house you got sorted into. It was absolutely random. Completely random. All right. So yeah, a little uh, spoiler alert for anyone who takes a Warner Brothers studio tour. It's still fun. Anyways, so yeah, like all that, they put the hat on all the heads, giving out all the kids lice. (laughs) As this magic hat looks into your fucking brain and decides where you're going to go for the next seven years or however long Hogwarts is. Hermione and Ron to Gryffindor, Draco to Slytherin, random kid to Hufflepuff, and now it's Harry's turn, and it's not a cut-and-dry thing, because he's like, "Mm, you do really good in Slytherin, you got some Slytherin in you, and we'll know why later. But he'd been told that all the bad people come from Slytherin, which is not a true statement, but oh well. No. (laughs) Well, he saw that Draco went there, he's like, fuck, living with that asshole. So he's like, you know, Gryffindor, Gryffindor, Gryffindor. He's like, all right, Gryffindors. You protagonisted your way out of it. And not only does he protagonist his way into the house that he wants, when he sits down and everyone's like, you know, patting him on the back, he looks over to Dumbledore, who makes eye contact and fucking cheerses him. With the church chalice. Yeah. Either that or he found the Holy Grail and chose poorly. (laughs) So beyond weird. The only headcanon I could come up with is just during their travels, either through Diagon Alley or back to the train station where he got abandoned, Hagrid must have filled him in on how awesome Dumbledore was and that, you know, that's who abandoned him on a doorstep several years ago. Because Harry had a sense of who Dumbledore was when he got the chocolate frog card. He was really impressed. We have no reason to believe why he would ever know who Dumbledore is. Nope. Well, actually, Hagrid does mention it when he's ranting at the Dursleys. Yeah, so that you ever, like, insult Albus Dumbledore. Uh, Yeah, I know, but that's so much just a directed thing. I, I, I don't understand how Harry would have a sense of just how important Dumbledore is based on that. You know, we're not sending him to a school for this. And Hey, don't you insult him. Okay. Who is he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like finding out that the headmaster of your school is also prime minister, basically. Like, he's <laughs> one of the most important figures to ever exist. <laughs> Anyways, um, so now it's time for a feast. Food magically appears in front of the kids. And then Seamus, the Irish kid, like blurts out his backstory. He's like, yeah, me, me pa was a, was a wizard. Like, pa, pa is inward. M- mother is witch. <laughs> mother is witch, yeah. 
And I feel this movie just glosses over so many of the side characters that like really played much more of a part. Well, you you the... got a time limit, man. You got a time limit. I mean, casual John Cleese is casual. Doesn't affect the plot in any way, but he's awesome. So what are you going to do? We also get introduced to Alan Rick. You know, that's Snape. He teaches potions. Oh, R.I.P. Alan Rick. And here's the thing. I didn't like his performance when I was a kid. Rewatching it as an adult, I'm like, this is fucking brilliant. Perfection. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're supposed to hate him, especially through kids' eyes, because, you know, following Harry the whole time, it's largely his perspective. So, yeah. Right. But no, but just the sheer weirdness that he plays the character, like how weird he portrays Like the cadence of his voice and just all that sort of thing. Okay. His facial expression, the way he looks. That little second stare he does that just seems to penetrate. Yes. I, I think his was the only character that even this far back, J.K. Rowling had a meeting with Alan Rickman and was like, this is your character's backstory. This is your motivation. This is why you do everything that you do. That we don't find out for, you know, six, seven more installments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they have the thing. They meet nearly headless Nick, John Cleese. None of it matters. It's He's just there. Nope. To be, nope. And now it's over. They're heading back to the dorm, the head of house who I don't think even gets a name in this movie. I don't think we ever learn his name. I think you learned Percy's name in this. The Gryffindor Prefect. One of Ron's many older brothers. So glanced over. But anyway. It is. It is. This is where, like, I was wondering how so many people were so amazed. I mean, sure, it's probably Hogwarts is the most elaborate place you've ever seen. But students who are definitely old enough to have been there are reacting with the same amount of awe as the first years. Exactly. It's because it's Harry Potter and the directing of groups of kids was pretty poor. I mean, that said, can you imagine trying to direct a group of children? It's like herding an army of kittens. But seriously, like, so my question with this scene, because like, this is where we get the moving staircases for the first time. Why would you design a school <laughs> for children with this feature? Fucking atrocious health risk. Awful. I do like to call Mad the Magical Stairs the elegant force the plot this way device. Yes, they are very much the force the plot this way device. So, yeah, the, the, all the pictures are welcoming the kids to Hogwarts, and they eventually get to the entrance to Gryffindor, and there's a painting that they need to give a password to. And by the way, a painting in front of, like, a hallway is the worst fucking security. You can just, like, cut through that. Unless it's, like, enchanted to be, like, hardened, but, yeah, that is just terrible security. Yeah, it seemed it was enchanted in some way. Yeah, definitely enchanted that you can't just pry it off the wall. Uh, th there's, nope, future installment shit. I'm not going to do it. I got to stop doing it. Cool. I mean, we, we had a lock on our dorm door. Like, there was, like, a code. Like, you push the buttons, and yet it was, like, a mechanical code, and you turn the thing and that's how you got into the house actually it's really funny years later i went back to visit a friend down there because he lived in the same town and he had to go to work so i was just wandering around the old campus you know having flashbacks decided to go to my old uh dorm my old house and meet with my most american of american accents just talks to one of the groundskeepers like the guy who's like working the garden they're like hey man i used to go here would you mind just like opening this door for me <laughs> And he fucking did. He just let me in. Like, I, I had protagonist powers that day. He recognized the age-old tale of the one American to attend the school, and now he has returned to 
I don't know, finally pick up that goddamn sock from 12 years ago or whatever it was. <laughs> the kids were on vacation, so like I, I was not like going to like hang out with children in a dormitory. It was like completely empty, but yeah. That's good. So that night, while everyone sleeps, Harry stares wistfully out the window while he pets his owl that we still don't know the fucking name of. We don't know the name of this goddamn owl. <laughs> it just sits there, and it's white, and that is all we know of this fucking owl. So the school has the owlery, which is where all the owls that bring mail kind of live. And we know that Harry's owl brings his mail. So why does it get to live with him? In the- okay, it's the first night. The owl doesn't know what's going on. Like, like she's still figuring stuff out. Owl doesn't know Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Owl has lived in the magical world, was bought on Diagon Alley. Owl has a better understanding of what's going on than Harry does. I'm sorry, petting the owl just sounds like another euphemism, so I'm not going near that. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, something I don't want to know about. I want to know what it's a euphemism for. Petting the owl in the owlery. Wink. I still don't understand. All I understand is that it's the one place that Airbud cannot enter because of their <laughs> natural rivalry between dogs and owls. <laughs> yeah, you notice that there's no golden retrievers at Hogwarts. This is actually true. Cats are an option, but dogs aren't. Nope. Special Hogwarts hates dogs. This is true. This is true. So the next day, Harry and Ron are late for Professor McGonagall's class. By the way, we will never know what subject she teaches. She does not talk about transfiguration. Yeah, not in this film. But I also don't understand how they don't realize that like McGonagall wouldn't know they were late. I get they don't know she can turn into a cat, but okay, you guys had very different school experiences than I did, so maybe I'm completely off base here, but if I was in a classroom and the teacher didn't show up yet, the whole class wouldn't be sitting there doing their schoolwork. I would agree with you there, yeah. Well, my question is, how long was McGonagall sitting there as a cat? And why is she just sitting there as a cat while the students do work? Exactly. I feel like it's her preferred form, so she gave a brief introduction, maybe gave them some readings, and she just decided to uh, I don't know maybe she didn't oh, that's it she didn't have time to bathe in the morning and in cat form that's socially acceptable <laughs> so she's like she's out there sitting on her desk licking her paw and like wiping her face and shit with it but does that cleanliness transfer over to human form like she cleans herself in cat form and then like the human form it's a good question because when she transfigures like the cat's not wearing robes or doesn't have to step out of her big ass hat or anything so These are the questions we really need to be answering. Exactly. (laughs) Well, before we get those answers, she just threatens Ron and Harry with a casual existential mindfuck by threatening to turn them into a watch. (laughs) Yeah, perhaps I should transform one of you into a watch. That way, at least the other one will be on time. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's kind of horrifying. Guys safer than Gringotts. (laughs) I wonder what it would be like to be a watch. Things would would just click. (laughs) Anyways, Professor McGonagall tells Ron and Harry off. And that's the scene. They are late. She transforms it like from a cat, which we know she can do. She yells at them and that's it. This will not fucking pay off. This was a scene to be a scene. So now we're in potions and we get more Alan Rickman. The best Alan Rickman speech ever. Or one of them. Oh yeah, you know, I will teach you to bewitch the senses and to bottle power. And I'm just like, I feel like if everyone's bottling power, fame, and influence, like why isn't everybody doing it? I think he says he can. 
Not that he will. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, he says, there will be no foolish wand-waving or silly incantations in this class. And hey, motherfucker, you will use silly incantations to save Harry later. Like, what are you talking about? You don't save him later with a potion. Uh, he's just a really strict teacher. I mean, <laughs> So we see Harry writing notes during his speech where Snape's telling everyone how awesome he will be at teaching them potions and he yells at him for not paying attention yeah he doesn't even bother to see what harry was writing because then you could be like oh you don't need to take notes for this part just listen just pay attention and listen to me but he's got a vendetta against this kid he's got man. yeah well, there's a whole th backstory with him and going into it it's just he's a big meanie bully and a lot of it he still is but still this place to grow. But yeah, so Snape basically celebrity shames Harry. Exactly. Like, oh, you're too famous to pay attention. He's like, no, man, I'm trying to take you. Okay, you think you're too fucking cool. No, man, I'm just like... Tr Honestly, I think the world would be a lot better if, if Alan Rickman celebrity shamed all celebrities. Would be a happier place. Okay, but people who behave in a manner that he's calling out. Because Harry doesn't have that, I'm so much better, I'm the most important person here. That's fucking Draco, by the way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> who, who is eating this shit up? It's over the top because Tom Felton is so young, but man, he really just loved being Draco. Here, <laughs> He's just, just like the smuggest little shit. Do you think he learned how to half smile from The Rock? Because I was getting that vibe. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe he could have been like around seven or so when The Rock was getting popular. So maybe I watched pro wrestling at that age. Sure. Okay. I take it back. Yes. <laughs> there it is. And they went, no, no, that's charming. You have to be a little, you know, head up your own ass <laughs> you about gotta it. You got to douche it up a little. <laughs> yeah, you got to douche it up. And he has no idea what these words mean. They're like, oh, how was filming today? Wonderful, mummy. I, I learned how to douche things. <laughs> 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 so snape is not done being a dick to harry because he starts like asking him like potions shit that he obviously doesn't know like what would you do if you get a eye of worm would i forget the ingredients just but harry's like i don't know man and <laughs> hermione's just like oh pick me pick me i know i know because obviously she's like read the book nine times before me when i was in school i would have been like hermione always had the hand up i think everyone had that moment no no like all the time <laughs> <laughs> had no idea this could possibly be annoying and but i know the answer why won't they call on me because they want the other kids to get an education too yeah but they're all dum-dums so yeah <laughs> when we would get an nes game i was the kid who always read the manual that came with it first you know nerd <laughs> yeah and if you're just like super mario brothers oh here's this little turtle thing that is a koopa troopa like that was god fuck that was me. <laughs> okay john was hermione so now, yeah, so we're done with Snape's dickatry because we're now in the dining hall. And because, you know, we got to play up them Irish stereotypes, you know, this was written by a Brit after all. Uh, Seamus is trying to turn water into rum. You do know J.K. Rowling is Scottish, right? Scotland has a very different relationship with Ireland than England does. That is painting with too broad a brush, that Brit comment, dude. <laughs> Just saying. They'd make Seamus a stereotype. Just throwing that out there. And then what I believe firmly is the dumbest exchange of dialogue in this movie, because first of all, this spell he's trying to do is completely in English and not fake-ass Latin. So obviously we have a problem there. Mm -hmm. And then seriously, two seats down, as he is shouting this shit out, 
what's he trying to do to that cup? <laughs> oh, he's trying to make his water into rum. It's like, no <laughs> shit. Yeah, like, you know, those words that he's saying right now, he's doing that thing. And as as we should realize, magic is clearly not for children because he causes a small explosion. Uh, yes. These children should not be practiced. This is basically giving every child a car and saying... Just because you're capable of driving a car, you need to learn it really early. Yeah. It was a cartoon explosion. He got his hair mussed up and lots of soot on him. (laughs) Disguising lethal danger. (laughs) So anyways, the mail arrives, and miraculously, none of these owls, like because they're all doing homework, miraculously, none of these owls are shitting on anyone's homework. (laughs) That was my note, too. These owls never poop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do not. They, they hold it in while they deliver the mail and they go poop outside. They don't. <laughs> These are highly trained owls. We didn't have amazing levels of shit dumped all over the Dursley house either. <laughs> there was... I mean, owls are very solo, so I don't think you could call them flocks, but... <laughs> there was a group of them. What's a group of owls? A murder of owls. It's a murder of crows. <laughs> It's a murder of owls if there's a golden retriever nearby. That's Well, no, that's the murder of a golden retriever. <laughs> so Neville gets a remembral, which is like the most useless fucking thing ever. It's the most useless uh, magical item in the world. Right. Red smoke appears inside it if he's forgotten something. It's an anxiety ball. All it does is tell you that you've forgotten something to ramp up your anxiety to try and figure out what you <laughs> forgot. And it only pays off in the sense that it's going to get stolen in the very next scene. Like, they need <laughs> like something for the next scene to happen. So Harry grabs Ron's copy of The Daily Prophet because he wants to read the newspaper. Uh, This is 2001, so newspapers are still relevant. Again, I'd say this is just the wizarding world being weirdly archaic. They just don't deal in technology whatsoever. Like, a telephone amazes them. A a rubber ducky fucking amazes them. (laughs) (laughs) But in the newspaper, there's this article about how the vault that Hagrid had visited later that day, somebody broke into Gringotts to try and rob it. This happened like a week or two ago. Like, how slow is news in the wizarding world where this is now on the front page? Pre-internet era. What did I just say? They don't adopt technology. Okay, still, like this is some major time delay news in the wizarding world. Just had to point that out. And now it's time for broom flying lessons. And quick comment, I will say Madam Hooch is the name of my future wife. <laughs> I will I will take her name. I will take her name. Jules Hooch. Jules Hooch. It's kind of a weird flow to it. Jules Hooch. <laughs> So basically, they all have to learn how to summon the broom to their hands. Very complex spell, this one. Very, yeah, like hold your hand out and say up. And apparently this is hard for everybody except for Harry and Malfoy. Also, hey, maybe just bend over and pick the fucking broom off the ground. (laughs) But this is how you know it's a magic flying broom. I just want to bring up the irritating niggle that keeps returning is that she she tells them all to hurry up quickly now. It's just... Every, like, three seconds in this movie, it just, every time, hurry up, quickly, come on, come on, we don't have all day. You realize how much time you just wasted saying hurry up and over and over <laughs> yes. and over again? This movie wasted my time, I'm wasting this podcast time. Oh, you're wasting, well, we all wasted our times with that. Come on, Nick, hurry up, let's move on. 
Cool. Great. <laughs> Nick, we need to get going, man. Why are you dragging this out? We're wasting time. Come on. Great. I'm ready to keep going. So, yeah. I mean, are you, you really? <laughs> are you really? Are you really? Because I've been ready. I've been ready waiting on you. You know what? I'm going to just pause here for like a sec. Just take a breather. Maybe you need to breathe. I don't need breaths. <laughs> yeah. You know, John is actually like recording this psychically with his mind waves. It does get tiring holding my, uh, you know, two fingers up to the side of my forehead, though. <laughs> so now they're getting to the point where, where they're supposed to lift off from the ground and a rogue broom takes Neville for a ride. It's like, you know, flying around, like taking him to the roof of the building and the teacher does nothing. This is untrue. In his very first lesson, she yells at him to get his shit under control and get back down to the ground. Okay, yeah, helping. You see, this is really strange because Neville died horribly. The school got shut down. You know, I don't remember this ending. Yeah, he 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 gets he gets knocked off the broom. He gets like held on a flagpole. He falls to the ground, breaks his neck, and then there's a massive lawsuit. <laughs> but not really. He just breaks his wrist after this like wackiness. And Madame Hooch takes him to the hospital wing, leaving a bunch of prepubescent children with magical flying brooms and saying, "Yeah, you better not use those." <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of back to the whole children with cars thing. It's like, not only are we going to teach them to drive at way too young of an age, we're just going to leave them with the cars and the keys. <laughs> 20 Pandoras, 20 boxes. Don't look inside. Well, maybe it's okay if I just don't look inside my own box. So how about we swap? <laughs> I don't even want to know what you're alluding to. The Pandora box analogy, Julian, just literally made. <laughs> Owl petting. That's what I'm talking about. Owl petting. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So yeah, no, like send some, like he's fine. He's not severely injured. Send some kids to take him to the hospital wing. You stay with the kids. That's what would have happened in my old school. Or just send him by himself. <laughs> just send him by himself. Yeah. Fuck him. It's Neville. Right. So he drops his Remembrall and Malfoy steals it and he like goads Harry into flying up on a broom with him. Literally, Madame Hooch said she would expel anyone who like flew on a broom. So this is like them playing with fire. Harry gives chase and Malfoy drops it and Harry does this really impressive catch right in front of Professor McGonagall. He doesn't drop it. He throws it. Throws it. Okay. Yeah. He throws it at the mountains and Harry catches it in front of the castle. <laughs> I did not notice that. <laughs> I like to believe the castle realized protagonist power was like, shit, someone needs to witness this amazing catch he's about to do. His first time ever flying on a broom. <laughs> and not only is this super protagonisty right here like this sets off one of the most protagonisty fucking events of this movie oh my god because professor mcgonagall comes down and is like potter come with me like oh harry's in trouble no she's not only going to interrupt this class she's going to take harry and interrupt fucking quirrell's defense against the dark arts class to take out oliver wood can i just mention that that's my new favorite line in this movie could I borrow wood for a moment, please? Yes, can I borrow wood for a moment? Takes him out of Quirrell's Defense Against the Dark Arts class to be like, hey, I found your new seeker for the Quidditch game. The dynamic is so much better given their different personalities, like how Quirrell is all meek and, and acquiescing and like McGonagall is just the dom of the relationship. She is definitely the dungeon mistress of Hogwarts. I'm going to borrow that wood. 
Exactly, exactly. So yeah, found the new seeker for the Quidditch team. And, oh God, the protagonistness continues because John Cleese Ghost floats past to exposit that Harry Potter is the new Gryffindor seeker and that he always knew that Harry would do well here at this school. Fucking hell, man. Yeah, I guess tryouts aren't a thing Mm-mm. and Rod, like Rod is just gushing because he's like you you must be the first first year seeker in a hundred years and this is the beginning of Harry being what Snape accused him of because he cuts Ron off and he's like hundred years I know McGonagall told me mm-hmm. I'm kind of a big deal and then George and Fred stop by to like chime in because they're also on the team and they're like, yeah, you know, not too many kids die or disappear every year. And why the fuck do parents send their children to this school? It's, it's like <laughs> the Hunger Games has less of a fucking child body count. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Hermione chimes in. He's like, you know, hey, Harry, Quidditch is in your blood. And she takes him to a, a trophy case to see that his dad was a seeker. Yeah, that's not a thing. Shit being in your blood is not, not a thing. A thing. I, try, I know this book series and movie series tries to convince us of that sometimes. I mean, if it's if it's in your blood, then, well, Hermione shouldn't be a witch at all. But we're not talking about magic. We're talking about playing this one specific sport. <laughs> that he's never played before. <laughs> that he never even knew existed. So clearly it's in his blood. Mm-hmm. The movie calls itself out on the fact that Hermione knows this random, like, really deep random fact about Harry. Yes, Ron is our audience su- surrogate here. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's like, it's spooky. She knows more about you than you do. And the movie, I wrote here, the movie is aware of its narrative shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we get to see why having moving stairs is a terrible <laughs> idea in your fucking magic school. <laughs> Because that's something that needs to be explained. Not escalator. If you're listening to this, you know what we mean by moving stairs. The plot moving forward device gets activated. (laughs) There's there's not actually magic. It's just an elaborate special effects thing. And Dumbledore's obviously like slides this panel up. And there's this big ass computer with all these buttons and dials. (laughs) And then he's just got that one big flashing button that says plot. (laughs) (laughs) so anyways it moves the three main kids like shifts their staircase towards another landing and it's the third floor hallway that they're supposed to stay out of lest they want to die but you could just wait for it to move again or there's literally another staircase on the other part of the landing (laughs) going back down again you didn't have to go into this fucking door (laughs) it's so stupid (laughs) But they go in because plot. And <laughs> you can also tell that Nick has been a D&D dungeon master before. Why? Why are you doing You didn't have to do that. <laughs> yep. Stop going that way, player characters. Exactly. So they go inside this door and Filch's cat shows up and they're like, oh shit, we got to run. And instead of just like staying near the door and being like, hey, sorry, we're dumb first years. We got lost. Can you like help us get back to where we need to go? They just book it. They run deeper into the floor of death. Is it that they're supposed to be in class by now? Like, why the fuck are they even in trouble? Because they're not supposed to be in that hallway. That's the one where Dumbledore said that you don't go into this hallway lest you want to die. Okay, this is the first rule of getting lost when you're a child. Stay where you are. Yes, stay where you are, but you can- Someone will find you, and when they do, hey, we were heading up to the common room. 
The stairway brought us here. Yeah, you're forgetting rule two. Disregard if you're face-to-face with a cat. Mm, Point. (laughs) Point. Especially a telepathic cat that can tell the guy who delights in torturing children exactly where you are. (laughs) We will get to that. (laughs) Eh, Well, Nick brought it up in his intro. Or no, you did. did, You're the one who (laughs) brought it up. And so they run deeper into this floor this down this hallway that they've been told is a death trap and like the lights are like the the la- uh, what are these these, these lanterns these, like, yeah they like they start activating as they run past so clearly filch is gonna come in see the lights are on and be like okay well obviously someone's here i'm just gonna like follow the lights the motion detector torches that's what they are which brings us to rule three of getting lost as children Split up at your earliest convenience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if all the lights are on, then they can't follow them anymore. <laughs> and always say yes to candy. Yes. Even Buddy bots every flavor beans. If we can just get one child killed with our podcast, <laughs> we've done our job. <laughs> Kids, if you're listening to us, go ahead and kick your parents in the shins right now. Yes. Parents, if you're listening to this with your kids, you've just brought that on yourself. <laughs> parents, if you're listening, kick your child in the shins. Let them know who's lost. <laughs> so Hermione continues to demonstrate that these other two fuckers are completely useless. Because... <laughs> <laughs> they get to a locked door and she knows the spell to unlock it. They don't. And so they go into this door. Filch comes in, sees the lanterns are activated, shrugs it off and leaves. Like, doesn't no, no, go I to think the ones, the ones back there had turned off. Like I said, they're motion detector torches. So once they move past the area, they disignited. As he walks in, the torch goes back on. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. <laughs> It's magic. Okay, so they go in there, and I'm going to go ahead and say this straight up. I don't believe that they didn't immediately notice the giant three-headed dog (laughs) in this room. I think they lit it up more than it was intended to be. So this is a sort of, it should have been darker, but we didn't want to scare the little kitties who were watching this movie. Also, this dog does not immediately wake up when they slam the door. <laughs> it like takes a moment to or wake make a up. sound <laughs> or make a sound. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. He's been trained properly. I brought this damn thing up. But anyways, it does wake up and they run away. But why do they close the door behind them? I was just about to ask the same question. Why do they close the door behind them? Clearly this dog is not going to get through this doorway. Just run. <laughs> just run. I thought you meant when they first entered. I'm like, because they're afraid no, of getting no, caught. No, no, When they <laughs> leave up and yeah, yeah, yeah. by the dog, they for some I, reason. Yeah, I want to know how the dog got in there. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great question. Not even one of its snouts can fit through the goddamn door, much less its whole head. <laughs> right, but okay, clearly they like shrank it with magic and then like made him bigger again. There's got to be a spell that does, or a potion or something. Like there, there's a magical right. Well, knowing Hagrid, he put him in as a pup and then just fed him tiny scraps of beef until he got <laughs> gigantic. That is true, and he loves Dumbledore so much. Dumbledore should have just been like, "Oh, I have a perfect room for him." He can never go outside. Why not, <laughs> sir? Trust me, Hagrid. Right you are, sir. <laughs> That's a good Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, them closing the door brings them way closer to this dog's jaws than them just running away. <laughs> just keep running. 
So yeah, so they come into the dorm and Ron, again, makes a great point. He's like, what do they think they're doing keeping a thing like that locked up in a school? And my note here is, great points, Ron. You should come on Millennial Rewind sometime. <laughs> and so Hermione, you know, as they're talking, noticed that the dog was standing on a trap door, so it must be guarding something. Or there's just a trap door there. But hey. That's how the dog got in. No, it's clearly his lavatory chute. <laughs> Did you notice dog poop around? You didn't notice it. You didn't smell it. And as we will learn, there is a heavily fertilized plant down there. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> just saying. Oh, and so he's like, yeah, look, we're, let's go to bed before you two get us killed or worse, expelled. Ha ha. Because she's, you know, that person. One third of us has been there. <laughs> and now it's time for Harry to play with balls from wood. Sorry, I mean, uh, this is absolutely true. <laughs> but, sorry, but they I, are not necessarily Wood's balls. They are not necessarily Wood's balls. They could be Wood's balls, or they could just be some random balls. Anyways, Harry's going to be fondling some balls uh, because it's now time for Wood, the Quidditch captain, to teach him how to play Quidditch. Okay, everyone who has come across this story knows the rules make no goddamn sense. They yes, make no okay. goddamn sense. And yeah. I love it. <laughs> Unless you're the two guys hitting the balls that are trying to knock you off your broom, everyone should be looking for the goddamn sense. Everyone snitch. should be a seeker. I don't understand why they uh, why they don't all seek this. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not here to nitpick that sort of thing. Because unless I'm live at the event, I don't care about sporting events. Uh, I don't understand watching them on TV or anything like that. But even then, for the most part, it just comes down to the last moments of the game anyway. Basically, you have a long sequence where a lot of times you're going to see people pull off some amazing feats of athleticism, some cool shit. And then it just really comes down to the wire. Quidditch includes that without any sort of limit as to how it ends. There's sports and games that don't have specific time limits, you know, like baseball or golf. But here's when innings end. And when there's so many innings done, game's over. When you complete the course, golf is done. Quidditch doesn't fucking stop until this thing is caught. And they're just like, all right, time to call it. I thought it's if the Seekers don't catch the snitch, then it's however many goals you score. No, there is no such thing. Oh, for fuck's sake, then it's even dumber. It, exactly. <laughs> this, a match could end in 15 seconds or it could literally take days. That's worse than cricket. <laughs> <laughs> and because I find sports for the most part just absurd, especially like massive spectator sports you know hundreds and thousands of people like i find that absolutely absurd and so this just ramps it up to a whole other level and i say thank you <laughs> thank you for just calling bullshit on the whole thing well i do love watching sport <laughs> and this is as bad as cricket so anyways if you guys have been missing warwick davis he's back as another character he's uh professor flitwick the charms class teacher will we know that this is charms class no they don't fucking name any of the goddamn classes it's just we're gonna do the wingardium leviosa thing. everyone who's seen this movie knows the scene it's about how you pronounce wingardium leviosa it's leviosa not leviosa it has become an iconic thing. And of course, because Seamus has to Seamus and he says it wrong and blows up his face again. Another explosion. This this is not something children should be risked close to. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jules. So outside, Ron, Seamus, and Harry are like, oh, God, she's so fucking insufferable talking about Hermione, you know? No wonder she doesn't have any friends. And clearly she heard that because she, like, runs past them crying, question mark. I think that's what she was doing. But she was doing that before he said it? You see her coming. And she's already crying about the line he has not yet said. 
So now it's time for the Halloween feast. And Jules, I'm pretty sure Halloween's not a thing in Britain. Is it a thing in Britain? Of course it is. Okay. I it was not a thing in South Africa, so which I, I was really curious. I mean, it doesn't look this awesome, you know. <laughs> Usually it's freezing cold, so no one wants to actually trick or treat. More candy for me. Exactly. <laughs> There's like one house with a jack-o'-lantern. The others are just like, fuck off. We don't care. <laughs> I swear, when I went trick-or-treating as a kid, more often than not, I just got money. Oh my God, yes. Every door I knocked on, it was just like, is is 50p. But I wanted candy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got 50p, go buy your own fucking candy. It just felt like no one was observing it. So it was like really irritating. But they were. I mean, it was just like, got a shitty street so apparently hermione's been crying all afternoon in the girl the girl's bathroom are you telling me there's only one girl's bathroom in the entire school do they not have bathrooms in the dorms they make it seem that way but <laughs> there's one girl's bathroom and multiple dungeons <laughs> this is how well planned yes. the school was oh my god yes <laughs> and so Quirrell comes in and we get the very famous there's a troll a troll in the dungeon but again like we see so little of Quirrell that the Voldemort reveal at the end of the movie feels very weak yeah I agree I agree with this from a book standpoint as well oh I, I have you reread you've reread the book recently right it was a couple years ago but still yeah there is nothing in there there is Got no it. clue. Okay. Good mysteries are the sort where if you're really paying attention, you'd be able to figure it out as the story went. This is an ass pull. It, it's it's the mystery. Plus, I think that they also got, she was also going for a who done it, you know, because it's the suspect is Snape, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Snape is absolutely supposed to be the suspect that you focus on and is the obvious choice. But apart from he didn't shake his hand. He's out of focus in a crowd scene. That is not giving you a clue. Agreed. Yeah. So anyways, Dumbledore tells the prefects to lead their houses back to the dorms. And on the way back to the dorms, Harry and Ron realize that Hermione doesn't know about the troll. They decide to just go find her themselves. Yeah, why don't they tell a prefect or a teacher? Because then you don't get the next scene. That's, that's the real... <laughs> reason for that these kids are the worst they are the worst <laughs> they're amazing follow your lack of survival instincts <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then uh they see the troll going into the girl's bathroom hermione you know comes out of one of the stalls and the troll comes in so she goes back into the stall to hide and the troll starts bashing at the stalls for reasons for reasons yeah just attacking hermione because well i mean what else is he gonna do or she, I, we, again, we don't know with this troll. It bashes the stalls, and then Hermione moves further along, and then it feels like it bashes the stalls all over again. Like the stalls reset themselves for it to bash again. It's like those birthday candles that self-reignite. Yes, self-reigniting bathroom stalls. Yeah, you just have to bash them enough that they stay bashed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lack of stall. So Ron and Harry bust in, and so Hermione, having run out of stalls, kind of scurries across the floor under the sinks and barely misses getting smashed with the troll's club. So Harry just jumps onto the troll's back, and oh man, this CGI did not age well. Meanwhile, Ron is, is you know, he's really training for the Olympic standing there team. <laughs> um, yeah, he's like, what do I do? And Harry's like, 
anything, dude. Just do anything. <laughs> hey, hey, in a high-stress situation, just standing there is incredibly difficult. Even those who think that's what they do will tend to drop and cower, okay? <laughs> just standing there completely perplexed. <laughs> Hell yeah, Ron, I got you back, man. Well played. I just want that to be like our new meme. Like before every episode, we just Photoshop John looking perplexed in various stressful <laughs> scenarios. From the movie we just watched, yes. I am down for this. From I am down for this. And it'll it'll start with this one. So not not everybody. <laughs> It'll start with this one. Like um when you guys have the preview image. <laughs> uh, because it. because this is one of those movie posters where it's basically just a whole bunch of floating heads and I think you see the school. It's like I can send you a picture and just photoshop me into that and it's where is John in the preview photo from this point on? <laughs> where is perplexed John? Yeah. Not necessarily the... <laughs> perplexed, just where is John? Fair enough. Love it. <laughs> so Harry, while he rides the troll in terrible CGI, uh, manages to jam his wand. Not terrible, up... just dated, okay? Like, this is not on the level of the snake. No, it isn't. That's true. So he jams the wand up the troll's nose, and then Ron saves Harry with a spell he learned like two scenes ago. <laughs> he does the way Guardian Leviosa raises the troll's club. With an assist from Hermione, though. Really? Yeah, she, she reminds him to swish and flick. She knew the spell he wanted to cast? She probably knows he knows only one spell because he's wrong. <laughs> so yeah, the, the 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 troll's club flies up and drops down, bonks it on the head, knocks it out, and Harry retrieves his wand from the troll's nose. Ew troll bogeys. I want an in-depth discussion on how that jelly bean would taste different than standard bogeys. <laughs> oh, that is a nine-hour conversation. So then in bursts Professor McGonagall, Quirrell, and third person. And, okay, explain this to me. All right, what you got? <laughs> Why the fuck does Hermione need to lie about hunting for the troll? There's no reason for her to make herself look bad. She could, just, she could have just said, hey, I was in the bathroom. Ron and Harry. I, I I see where you're going, and my explanation would have been, you know, that they could have been like, um, the rebuttal to the lie should be the same as the rebuttal to the truth. Because the truth was, I was in here, they came to get me. It's like, well, they should have told someone to come get you. Same as, I thought I could take care of the troll by myself. Well, they should have come and got someone to take care of the troll for Exactly. You. That is the answer to both scenarios. There's There's no reason. And by the way, she's just like, okay, well, that was very foolish of you, Hermione. So five points from Gryffindor. And you two, you know, I guess good job of getting lucky with taking out this troll. Does not give this situation the fucking gravity it deserves. No, they get awarded points. Fucking what? For sheer dumb luck. Yeah, for sheer dumb luck. Yeah. That's, it's well, no, I was just answering your question. That's It doesn't make sense, but that's why. For congratulations on not dying. <laughs> Yeah, so anyways, no point of her lying. And they leave Professor Quirrell there, who acts like a complete coward in front of the troll, even though it's unconscious. And he's the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Now, what the fuck is with Dumbledore's hiring policies? This will come back in future movies and books, but he hires the worst teachers. <laughs> On numerous occasions. Again, I keep trying to stay out of the longer part of the series, but 
you learned that Voldemort wanted the position, specifically of Defense Against the Dark Arts, and was denied it, and somehow cursed the position so that no one has ever held it for more than a year? And this this had to have happened at least like 40 years ago, so I'm imagining the pool of candidates is running very shallow at this point. <laughs> That's my in-universe explanation. Alternative theory. Okay. My theory is they blew the teacher budget on those stairs. So they <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my favorite one right there. <laughs> so the next day at breakfast, Harry doesn't have much of an appetite. Uh, then Snape comes up to wish him luck for the fucking Quidditch game. Like sarcastically, you know, like, oh, even though you're a, not a Slytherin. Yeah, yeah, he had to mention Slytherin. He had to, like, sort of passive-aggressive fuck with him. You know, he's like, oh, good luck today. Even though you're facing my team, you little <laughs> shit. So they notice as Snape walks away that he's got a limp. And from this, Harry infers that Snape let the troll in, tried to get past the dog, and that's why he has a limp. And I will say this. This movie accurately depicts children's powers of deduction. It gets it spot fucking on. <laughs> also, Harry just blurts out that Hagra got something out of Gringotts and just guesses that the dog is guarding whatever Hagrid got out of there because fuck it. Why else bring a rabbit animal into a school? Exactly. Whoa. I will not have you call Fluffy Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. <laughs> no, he's not rabbit, but he is... Very aggressive. Well, fuck yeah, he's there to guard something. And just in case you hadn't gotten sick of Harry protagonisting like a motherfucker, <laughs> Hedwig, <laughs> we don't know that's her name, but it is, uh, flies in and just drops him off a fucking Nimbus 2000 broom. Yeah, no shit. Do you get that moment where these kids are beyond moronic because... They wonder what it is, this broom-shaped <laughs> bag. <laughs> what is it? It's a pony, you dumbass. It's like I've seen in some sketches or something where someone gets a like a bicycle for Christmas, but it's literally wrapped bicycle-shaped. <laughs> 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 like, oh, I wonder what this is. <laughs> and isn't this from fucking Professor McGonagall? This yes. Th yeah. She just buys him. Like, does she buy the rest of the team? No, she buys him the fucking Nimbus. What I like to think is that McGonagall is a stickler for the rules, a very strict teacher, very intelligent, but she goes nuts for Quidditch. She's just a super... She's just a super fan. And so she lets Harry get away with anything so long as the team wins at Quidditch. Yeah, seriously, because when we first talked about McGonagall, was, you know, the very stern teacher, and I was like, oh, she has times of joy. Yeah, it is all around Quidditch when he catches the thing, and she's so excited to borrow wood. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know why it still makes me chuckle. Have Harry play with Wood's balls. <laughs> <laughs> well... You guys said Quidditch. We got a big fucking Quidditch game coming up, but we're going to take a break just to mentally prepare for this bullshit. And when we come back, we're going to break down the rest of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Philosophers. Hello, students, and welcome to your first year at Hogwarts, the safest school in the wizarding world. Yay! Oh, look, moving pictures. I'm Goyle. 
Let me take you on a tour of the school. Just be careful of the staircases that randomly move and could potentially cause you to fall to your death. The what now? Up there is the third floor hallway. Don't go in there unless you want to be torn apart by a three-headed dog. Professor, why is there a giant three-headed dog being kept in the school? For your safety, Miss Granger, for your safety. Now as we head down the east wing... Be sure to watch out for trapdoors. Also, five points from Ravenclaw for missing that trapdoor. Good God, they fell into a pit of spikes. All for your safety, I assure you, Harry. Now in this room, we have an interdimensional portal from which deadly horrors emerge and hunt down students at night. Bloody hell, this place isn't safe at all. In fact, it seems like it's all a death trap that only an incredibly irresponsible parent would send their child to. Mr. Weasley, could you take two steps to your left? Over here, sir. That's right. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to say? No, Professor. No, sir. No, sir. Nothing at all. Good. Because we wouldn't want anything unsafe to happen. Uh, question. Shut up, crab. And we're back. Now it's time for the Quidditch game. And we are absolutely not fucking breaking this down beat by beat. I would literally bash uh, apart myself. Apart from reiterating how dangerous this facility is for children and a little plot point, I have no reason to cover any of it. I do, I do want to mention that Madam Hooch definitely channels um, Marvin the Martian from Space Jam with her refereeing. In that she just lets shit fly, literally. Let's all play fair, and then... And then just proceeds to sit down and have a nice cup of tea and read the latest newspaper. Exactly. <laughs> For the most part, this is how the game is played. You yes. literally have two players with bats whose role is to knock other people off their brooms. Yeah, that's their job. <laughs> By the way, do you guys know who this announcer is? This kid who does the announcements? Yes, I do. It's Sid from Gallivant. It is also Magnitude from Community. This is Luke Youngblood. Yep. Pop, pop. <laughs> I don't know why, but that makes me really happy. Well, they're both fantastic shows, so that's cool. One last thing I want to say about Quidditch before we just get to the end of this and like the the main plot point. All right, fine. You know that this is a real thing that people play in real life. There's people who play IRL Quidditch. Yeah. Yeah. Look. We all play Dungeons and Dragons. We can't really give people too much shit about being giant nerds. But even... Listen, ever since I found out that there are professional worm charmers... Wait, what? That is... Wait, what? (laughs) It's called bunting in America, but in England as well, they get together and, well, the challenge of the game is to charm worms to the topsoil by whatever means possible. So pour water as if it was raining? Yeah. (laughs) Because that is a natural response that worms have, is they come up out of the ground when it's raining. <laughs> that is actually an interest, you know? You just picture train spotters shouting at them, losers! <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're both wearing an anorak, damn it. <laughs> yeah, I know my shit. <laughs> So anyways, Harry's broom starts bucking. He's seen the snitch. He's trying to go after it, but it suddenly starts pulling a Neville. And Hermione looks through Hagrid's binoculars and sees Snape, like, making 
hard eye contact with Harry, not blinking, and, you know, saying some fucking incantation that he was shitting on during his class. He's apparently decided that it's cool now. Yeah, and she's again, like, Hermione is the actual hero of this story. Everyone else is either watching the rest of the game or worried about Harry, and she's like, let me figure this shit out. Yes, she's, again, the shadow protagonist of the series. She says, and Hagrid hears her, by the way, says, hey, Snape's clearly hexing Harry's broom, and Hagrid's like, cool, like, does nothing. He's the adult in the situation. <laughs> is it like, hey, let me go check this out. Like, maybe there's something to this. Nope, Hermione's got to go deal with it. So she goes to the Slytherin bleachers. How does she deal with it again? Because, uh, well, I, I thought you were going to say, how does she get there so quickly? But okay. Um. <laughs> well, there's that too. Um, and she sets Snape's robes on fire. Casual arson is far too casual. <laughs> Att- not just arson, attempted murder, I feel like would be the charge if she went to court. <laughs> she full on pulls the Mad King from Game of Thrones. She just burned them all. That is her solution. I believe the Mad King had the gift of prophecy, but was also insane and foretold the coming of the White Walkers. And so that's what his ranting was actually about. And people are like, oh, shit, it's the king. He's giving me an order. I have to go ignite the city. I haven't thought about this. You have. Shut up. (laughs) Okay, so John is clearly a Game of Thrones obsessor. No, I'm a fan of A Song of Ice and Fire. Thank you very much. It's called books. (laughs) I'm Hermione of this group. Just wait until John starts setting fire to our laptops. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. I respond with the appropriate responses. Speaking of Hermione, <laughs> her burning Snape coincides with Harry's broom stopping buckling. So kind of in her mind vindicates what she thought she saw. Mm-hmm, Pin in this mm-hmm. because she did not quite see what she thought she saw. But she still solved the problem. She still solved the problem, and that's what's important. <laughs> that's because right. it allows Harry to find the golden snitch and deep throat it, and then Gryff- <laughs> <laughs> Gryffindor wins. I'm not even letting you explain that. <laughs> no, no, I'm just going to let you all picture that in your heads, audience. I mean, if kids are still allowed to listen at this point <laughs> by now, <laughs> they have good parents. They have good parents, and they're doing the parenting thing right. Codswallop. Hey! That's that's my line. So cut to Harry and the gag going for a walk with Hagrid to spill the beans about Snape, telling them, like, oh, yeah, he was, like, saying all this shit. And so Hagrid's like, no, he's a professor. He wouldn't do such a thing. And Hermione's like, no, I'm certain it was Snape. You can't blink when you're doing a spell. And Snape wasn't blinking. Curse. A curse, rather. And... They mentioned that they found this three-headed dog. He's like, oh, yeah, that's Fluffy. He's like, you know this fucking thing? Yeah, he's like, yeah, I got it from some Irish guy down at the pub. But, like, what the fuck is it with you and Irish people movie? Like, let them alone. They're drunkards. They blow shit up in their own faces. They sell you crazy dogs. Whoa, Hagrid was at the pub, too. Yeah, but he wasn't selling anyone a three-headed dog. No, he's buying them, and it's also where he gets other animals off of (laughs) random people. As we will learn. Casual animal smuggling is still very casual. (laughs) (laughs) And will continue to be so. I will say naming the three-headed dog Fluffy was a bit of genius. It was a bit of genius. So yeah, Hagrid, Hermione drops it like, hey, like we think that Fluffy's guarding something. And Hagrid's like, well, look, what, what what's down there is between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. And this is gonna be the first time he says, oh, should not have said that. Oh, shit. And I got to criticize Dumbledore again. Why does he trust Hagrid with any secrets? 
I brought this up very early for this very specific <laughs> point. Hagrid is really good when he is under specific instructions because then he can be mindful of what he says before he says it. But why mention Nicholas Flamel? Why mention any of the other stuff? No, because he's not under specific instructions about that. He's under specific instructions to go and pick up the stone and bring it back to Hogwarts and no one needs to know about that. Talking about Fluffy and Fluffy's guarding this awesome thing and only me and Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel and oh shit i shouldn't have said that so why tell hagrid about nicholas flamel just say this is a magical stone that i don't want people to know excuse me are you questioning albus dumbledore (laughs) many many times are you insulting (laughs) albus dumbledore in front of me again is that what's happening here jules is too british to own a gun for me to bend the barrel of right now unfortunately (laughs) you can call me a dried up old prune if you like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and as I, my note here is it's really nice of Hagrid to clumsily move the plot along it's it's really nice of him to do that thank you Hagrid well there were no moving stairs at this point you know exactly <laughs> Hagrid is the moving stairs of people <laughs> so now it's Christmas time and Hagrid is dragging a tree inside and the kids are heading home for the Christmas break well Most of the kids, Harry and Ron, are staying, and they're in the Great Hall playing Wizard's Chess, which must be super fucking expensive unless you magically put your pieces back together because the pieces literally smash each other into pieces. I always headcanon that they did reform on their own, but you would have to, like, have all the pieces together, so some people have sets with bits missing out of them. (laughs) This is where I got engaged, you know, as John said, he's the one who's like super keen and held his arm up. I'm thinking I'm probably the Ron of the party because I do enjoy a game of chess. Okay. I really do. Well, I am nothing like a protagonist, so I can't claim to be Harry. Nobody's fucking sending me Nimbus 2000s or like our world equivalent. So, you know. Just breathe and know you are the protagonist of your own story. Story's bullshit. I want a new one. Anyways. Okay, well, you can just go off and fucking forget to breathe then. There we go. <laughs> I will forget to breathe. So wait, I, I, I got asked, does that mean that Nick is actually the Neville Longbottom of the group? Oh, God. <laughs> Kill me now. Kill. I'll, I'd rather be the Malfoy. Kill me now. It explains why he grew up to be such a stud. That's what it means. Thanks, John. Thanks. Yeah, because the guy who played Neville did grow up to be a studly motherfucker. No, no, no. I, was, I know Nick too well. He's definitely crab. Oh! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Moving on. So yeah, Hermione gets Ron to exposit that he's you know not going home because his parents are visiting his brother in Romania. His brother like handles dragons in Romania is apparently a dragon country. So got like a dragon. Like a, like a cat shelter, but for dragons, they've just got one in Romania. And again, because she's the only person in the group that moves the plot forward, tells Harry that, you know, you can look up this Nicholas Flamel guy in the restricted section of the library. You know, do that while I'm gone. Cool? Yeah, he was going to have a holiday that, while lonely, at least wasn't abusive. And instead, he gets given an assignment by a peer. <laughs> yeah, his friend gives him homework over the Christmas break. <laughs> Damn it, Hermione. 
Now it's Christmas morning, and again, we see the owl that still doesn't have a fucking name, I guess. <laughs> it's decided to, like, take a break from the owlery to come have Christmas. And, you know, Ron's there. Merry Christmas, Harry. They open the present of the tree. Ron got a shitty sweater from his mom, and there's a shitty sweater for Harry, too. But if you thought the Nimbus 2000 was cool, wait till you get a load of this fucking protagonist gift, because he gets an invisibility cloak. I have a note here, which is a PS say for the kids who aren't listening to us anymore don't accept invisibility cloaks from strangers and secret admirers no no you accept the invisibility cloak from them and then they never see you again yes and then you <laughs> run away and then you run away you burn the note that is trying to tell you where to go with it that's what you don't pay attention to <laughs> now i had a thought how would you ever find it <laughs> if you lost it it seems to only activate when you wear it. No, because he held it up and we could see it. And he did like the flourish spin thing to put it on. But like even then, as it just got turned around, you can look through it. Like one side was really nice cloak fabric and the other was, you know, um, chroma green. <laughs> so what you're saying is if you put it down wrong, you could lose it forever. Hey, John, John, what are you saying? <laughs> There's no time. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that Harry's got the item he needs to do his quest, he goes off to do his quest in the restricted <laughs> section of the library and um, holds a fucking lantern out beyond yes. the cloak. So his head <laughs> is just floating with a lantern, just completely negating the point of having a goddamn invisibility cloak. So he gets to the restricted section of the library and he's looking for a book with Nicholas Flamel in the title. Not a book that would like conceivably tell him about Nicholas Flamel. Because just you know what's the most restricted and darkest knowledge of all? Biographies. Some guy <laughs> <laughs> that she can't know about. Uh, there's like th this one book that screams... Like, like a face comes out and screams at you when you opened it. And who made that? For what possible purpose would you create a book with a screaming face in it? My headcanon was always that this is a feature of the restricted section. So if you're opening books without authorization, this is like an alarm. I like that. That's a great explanation. Uh, part of me also wondered if this was just the Adams Family Library, you know? That had just been commandeered by Hogwarts. Oh, so as an Adams Family Library, that means he booked up a book called Yelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Old Yeller. Call of the Wild. Oh! oh! <laughs> <laughs> so Filch hears the screaming and he comes to investigate. So Harry drops his lantern and apparently cats can see through invisibility cloaks because like the cat just starts meowing at him through the cloak. Yeah. No, yeah. The sequence with Filch and the cat. This is quite good and suspenseful. Well, yeah, because Filch is getting off on the chance to catch someone misbehaving. I found I I found this lamp. It's still warm. There's a student out of bed. <laughs> God damn it, Walter Frey. This man should not be employed. <laughs> so Harry tries to, you know, make an escape. And while he's trying to, you know, find his way out, he sees Snape supposedly bullying Quirrell, saying, you know, hey, Quirrell, you don't want me as an enemy. And that he knows what he means. Very cryptic. It's 
supposed to portray Snape as like the bad guy. Yeah, my note is, why does Harry just happen to come across every person who's awake at this hour of the night? I thought that would be very clear by now. <laughs> Protagonist. Protagonist power, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And so Filch tells Snape, because he comes across Snape and Crow's like, hey, you know, there's a student out of bed. And this just prompts Snape to run. Like, Snape is fucking on this. He's going to find this motherfucker. He knows who the protagonist is, and he hates him. So <laughs> True, yes. Yeah, there's a bit where, like, he grasps out at Harry, and you think that he might grab the cloak. It's 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 nothing. Except I really want Quirrell's perspective on that. Because, like, he's being threatened. <laughs> and then the guy who's threatening you just just turns away from you and, and pets the air. Just gives it a little caress. <laughs> it's not that he thinks he's a ghost. Ghosts are visible in this world. <laughs> well, there are poltergeists. I feel like there are poltergeists. You can see Peeves. He has a physical description. My bad. Snape's got a crazy vibe. I feel like that would just be like, oh, Snape's pulling a Snape right now. <laughs> So Harry escapes and finds himself in a big-ass empty room, just a giant waste of space that houses a single mirror. And when Harry looks into the mirror, he notices that his parents are in there looking at back at him, even though they're clearly not in the room. They're just in the reflection with him. Yep, a little creepy. And then he goes and wakes up Ron because he needs him to see this fucking mirror, like, right now. Like, hey, man, maybe, like, take him tomorrow when he's had a good night's rest. No, you need to come fucking see this mirror. I'm with Harry on this one. Yeah, me too. This is the most amazing thing that has ever happened to him. He's never known his family. He's never known his parents. Up until a few months ago, he's learned that all the horrible things he's learned about them have been lies. And now it's like, oh, my God, I have my family. Of course he'd be excited. I get it. Yeah. I mean, like, like the closest thing he's he's experienced so far. OK, so Ron comes with Harry, like checks in the mirror, but he doesn't see Harry's parents. He sees himself as head boy, Quidditch captain holding the Quidditch cup. You know, he's like, man, I look really fucking good as well. And apparently the movie did not have Ron's fantasy budget because you don't see any of this. He's just talking no. about it and you just got to picture it in your head. Again, that's why Rupert Grant is the unsung hero. Like he didn't even get to be in that environment to be able to pretend it here. There was never a scene with people congratulating him. Nope. <laughs> so cut to Harry sitting in front of the mirror alone and then Dumbledore comes up from behind him, sneaks behind him, and says, hey, so uh, you're back again, huh? The mirror is called the Mirror of Erised. Yes. Which, backwards, is desire. Yes. And I just want to say as a note to all writers, writing the word backwards is not clever. Okay, I'm going to counter you slightly. <laughs> slightly. For the most part, I absolutely agree with you. In this specific instance, one children's book there is an inscription on the mirror that is written backwards completely and so it's like oh this looks weird and then you could work out that it's written backwards and then you figure out the you know desire is backwards as well it's i think it's a fun yeah. little clue it's a tiny little puzzle for okay. children two it's almost always treated with just like this oh my god moment this never is there's no one in the movie who's ever like oh the mirror's name is actually Desire. <laughs> There's never that moment. So that's another reason I'll let it slide. Okay. I'm somewhat convinced. 
So my question here with Dumbledore, so he's just been watching Harry come in there night after night, just watching him, not coming and be like, hey, kid, you're out after hours, or hey, maybe we should talk about, like, what you're seeing and, like, have this moment. No, he let him, like, have this for a few days. But not only that, he reveals that he knew Harry would find it eventually? Yeah. He also knew that fully grown men have wasted away in front of it. So let me set a trap for this child. For an emotionally traumatized child to see his dead parents. And give him the means to sneak around this death trap of a fucking castle in the middle <laughs> of the night. I don't think we covered this. Dumbledore is the one who gave him the invisibility cloak. <laughs> Yeah, we'll learn that later. <laughs> why are so many dangerous items in the school, and why are the teachers allowing the students to get so close to them? Hey, but at least it's safer than Gringotts. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Dumbledore says, look, I'm going to be moving this mirror out of here. Please don't go looking for it. Because you know the best way to get a kid to not do something? Tell them not to do it. Yeah. So, Harry, let's Hedwig fly into the sky, and the seasons change, the snow goes away. And in the library, Hermione tells Harry and Ron that she, look, I had you looking in the wrong section the whole time. I remember this book that I checked out for some light reading. If only there was some method of communicating over a long distance when I would have this epiphany so you could, you know, find the book. Huh. Yeah, like a something that we could send a message via text over the airwaves. Or <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to have to burn you for heresy. That's just beyond any means, mechanical or magical. I am a witch. So apparently <laughs> Nicholas Flamel is the only known person to have made a sorcerer's and or philosopher's stone. It's a fucking philosopher's stone. That's the Fuck real- you, sorcerer. As we have ranted at great length about it in the beginning of this episode, I am going to concur with the movie that Nicholas Flamel is the only person to create a sorcerer's stone <laughs> because this is the only work in which such an object exists. Can't argue with that. But anyways, this sorcerer's and or philosopher's stone, pick your favorite here, uh, can be used to create gold and the elixir of life. Which makes it a philosopher's stone. So no, you don't get to pick your favorite. That's what it's fucking called. I I agreed. Yep, agreed. And this is fucking crazy. I mean, there's a lot of crazy in this movie. But so she's reading the book about Nicholas Flamel's biography. And it says, like, his 600 and something birthday was last year. Yeah, 665th. Yeah, it is six hundred. So, does this book just update itself like a website when, like, as he gets older? <laughs> so Hermione is convinced that this stone is what Fluffy's guarding. Again, very accurate to kids' powers of deduction. And so that night, they sneak out to talk to Hagrid about the Sorcerer's Stone. They got to his little hut in the back. And I have once again been gambling with animals at the pub. <laughs> or gambling for animals. Yes, you have. <laughs> so much casual animal smuggling. They wind up with Hagrid, who's going to treat them very well. So they tell Hagrid that they think Snape is going to go out, is after the, the, the Philosopher's Stone. That's what it's supposed to be. I'm not taking Just that again. Just call it that, Yeah. Yeah. He says hogwash because he says that Snape is helping to guard it, that there's the spells, and nobody gets knows how to get past Fluffy except for him and Dumbledore. And he's like, oh, fuck, I should not have said that. But Hagrid also knows how to get past MPAA ratings with his swearing. Codswell up <laughs> <and> hogwash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now we get this whole bit about the dragon egg that he got from the guy at the bar, which means... Actually, no, it does mean something, but he's got his cute little dragon. Yep, he's been having this egg in a, a dry pot over the fire. 
Because that's what incubators are in the wizarding world. <laughs> yes, just, just <laughs> we're just gonna put that with the rest of the fire, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, when it's a dragon egg. Well, the rest of the fire is gonna go into Hagrid's beard because it hatches, blows fire, and singes the hairs on his chin. He's like, oh, we're gonna have to sort that out. A little dragon sets his hair on fire, and he's just like, oh, well, yeah, we'll have to train him up a bit. If anyone's going to take care of an animal, you want it to be Hagrid, man. It's true. Yeah. I mean, that's that's been my experience raising a German Shepherd. <laughs> so this explains your lack of beard. She keeps singeing it off of your face. Got it. Okay. It's explained why I had to get a haircut. <laughs> let me tell you that. So then they see Malfoy looking at them through the window. Why the fuck is Malfoy there? Plot needs him to be. And so he <laughs> runs away. And the gang tries to sneak back into the dorms, and they're intercepted by Professor McGonagall. Gull, and Malfoy's there because he's a little fucking snitch. And again, he's just got the smuggest look on his face. Mm-hmm. Well done, little Tom Felton. Well done. So she takes 50 points each from Gryffindor. That's 150 points for those of you at home doing the math and gives all four of them detention. He's like, hey, you know, you shouldn't be giving me detention. I'm the one who turned them in. He's like, yeah, you're also out of bed, so you get detention too, you little shit. Good on you, McGonagall. Maggie Smith rules. Also, why does Hagrid not get in trouble for having students in his hut after hours? It took part away from Harry, so it doesn't matter. Protagonist wasn't there, it's true. Yeah. So immediately cut to detention because this movie doesn't trust its audience to keep up with the plot. Yeah, but it's also two and a half hours. and You just got to get all the main points in there. This main point is we're going to reemphasize how much of a hellscape this is for children. Yes. But before we go into this hellscape, because this is at night, they bring the detentionites out for to Hagrid because he's going to give them detention. Uh, Norbert's been sent off to Romania, so we're just going to put a nice little bow on that subplot. We get Filch's speech about how the dungeons used to be used yep, to torture children. That's where it came from. Mm-hmm. Filch is very upset that he doesn't get to torture them, and instead they're just being sent off into the murder forest. <laughs> exactly. I get the sense yeah. that Filch wants to make Hogwarts great again. <laughs> well then he just starts sending children to the forest randomly like the this was the start of term speech was not to go in there coming with the hogwarts acceptance letter is also the forbidden forest still has worse things than werewolves yes exactly that's where i was about to go draco brings it up and they're like oh, we're shit than that kid <laughs> So after walking through the forest for a bit, and Hagrid not telling them what the fuck they're doing, they like walk for a while, they stumble across some Matrix mirror fluid on the ground, and Hagrid just (laughs) touches it. He will explain that this is unicorn blood. Why are you fingering unicorn blood? You know what it is. You don't have to touch it. He had to hold it up for everyone to get a good look. He never got to be a teacher, and he really wants to be. So this revelation that there's a unicorn herd and we have to find it, the person leading detention decides to split the party. No, no, it's not that being established. (laughs) There is a unicorn killer out there. We found a dead unicorn the previous week. And so the first thing that comes to his mind is for him to abandon two children with his cowardly dog to search for this unicorn killer. No, no, even better. He just sent Harry and Malfoy, you know, the two that hate each other the most, off into the murder force together, and they had to ask for the dog. (laughs) And he's like, won't be any use to you anyway, but I guess. Yeah, he's a giant coward. (laughs) 
He couldn't have even lied and said he might offer some protection. No. He was straight up honest. You know, the treatment of these kids leads me to believe that Nick had a lot more insight when he named me Hagrid than uh, we originally thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, John, uh, going off of what you said, I have in all caps in my notes, never split the party up. Yes. (laughs) So we get some walking around a bit with Malfoy entitled rich kid complaining, and then they find a hooded figure hunched over a dead unicorn in this wide ravine and harry's scar starts to hurt this is a fantastic sequence and right down to the john williams music just the the whole motion with the hooded figure and the dead unicorn and the music in the background oh this was really actually a golden moment in this movie yeah the thing floating and malfoy running away and the dog running away because the dog's a coward the only thing that's irritating is there's just this centaur ex machina that kind of ruins it. Yeah, this centaur just sideswipes the hooded figure and that scares him off. And just terribly animated. This this CGI was not well done. Mm, no, I still say it was. Agree to disagree. Uh, no, horribly aged. I think they did a fine enough job. It's a lot of work. I, I try and give them the benefit of the doubt where possible. Just let me be judgy, John. Just let me be judgy. Just wait till next episode. I promise. I promise. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) So the centaur explains that unicorn blood uh, is very powerful magically. It can keep you alive, but you lead a cursed existence because you had to kill such a magnificent, innocent creature to get the blood. And so naturally, Harry thinks it must be Voldemort, right? With no evidence of this. Well, the the centaur implies, basically leads him on and then- Can you not think of anyone? But why the fuck would the centaur think that? Because literally the whole magical world knows the story of the boy who lived. No, but why would he assume it's Voldemort in this situation? Any asshole who wants to, like, save themselves could kill a unicorn and drink blood. But would be vengeful enough to live a cursed life? Voldemort had a lot of followers. There were some assholes in that crew. Yeah, but this is exceptionally evil. Yeah, I, 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 give, I give the plot this. Okay. Yeah, so apparently the centaur, like, gets the skinny from Hagrid about the Sorcerer's Stone because he lets Harry know that that's what's being kept in Hogwarts. So it kind of confirms the stuff that they were deducing anyway and back in the common room harry explains everything to ron and hermione and now thinks that snape is trying to get the stone for voldemort and not himself well yeah and didn't the first book explain or like is this one of those things we learn later that snape used to run with voldemort like that was a thing it's a later thing okay So Hermione tries to assure Harry that he's safe because Dumbledore is around and he is the only wizard Voldemort fears. So you guys can sit back and do nothing. Just chill the fuck out like some of the adults have it. That will not be the case. Except it very much is the case. What do you mean? He almost gets the stone specifically because the kids keep putting their noses in the business. Really? Yes. Let's carry on. Okay. (laughs) And so apparently it's finals, but Harry's scar keeps burning and he thinks it's a warning for reasons. I mean, they're not really applying much critical thinking to anything in this movie. So why the fuck would he? He he does sort of associate it with danger, though, right? Every time, you know, when you saw the monster in the forest, that was a dangerous moment. Well, evil. Horrible evil. And so that's why, like, it kind of burned a bit when he first saw Snape. And this is another one of those poorly placed clues. Quirrell was there with his back to Harry. Like, you see the back of the turban in the same moment where you see Alan Rickman's face. And so Harry associates the burning of the scar with Snape, which would actually lead to why he thinks Snape's trying to get the stuff. Got it. Okay, yeah. You barely saw that. Didn't see it. 
Well, speaking of poorly placed clues, apparently Harry just fucking intuits that there's something fishy about Hagrid being offered a dragon that he's always wanted in a bar. Like, that just clicks to him in this moment. Because again, we just need the plot to move forward. I think Harry was just zeroed in on Hagrid because he was playing the awesome John Williams tune. (laughs) So Harry and the gang go to talk to Hagrid in front of green screen this was a crazy back and forth shot because when you're filming on Hagrid <laughs> he's clearly outside by the hut set and then you go back to the kids and they are clearly being lit in front of a green screen <laughs> what the fuck happened in production that necessitated this back and forth it is nuts editing assistant like burned the film reel accidentally so they had to re reshoots who knows that's a hell of a lot of coverage for one <laughs> for one small scene <laughs> That's where all the peeves shots were. There we go. Calling it. Release the peeves cut. <laughs> so we learned from this conversation that Hagrid blabbed to somebody about Fluffy. Like the guy who gave him the egg, he just clearly naturally spilled the beans about Fluffy guarding a trap door and like how to get past Fluffy, which is you need to play some music. And Hagrid is like, realizing, oh, fuck, I just told you how to get past my dog. In defense of Hagrid, his conversation with the shadowy stranger (laughs) did not go, Fluffy is guarding this stone and here's how to get past him. He was just talking about how he has experience with dangerous creatures and you got to know how to calm him. And that was the example he gave because story... He just so happened to tell the person who's trying to get past Fluffy. But you shouldn't be telling anyone how to get past Fluffy because Fluffy is guarding your goddamn sorcerer's stone. Without specific instructions. (laughs) I don't need to finish this sentence Anyways, the gang runs into Professor McGonagall in her classroom to say that they need to speak to Dumbledore. And why is there this random ghost just chilling in the desks, like writing? There's just a ghost. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, there's one single ghost. And they did coverage from multiple angles on this ghost. You see it head on and you see it from the side as the camera tracks down the classroom. Interesting. That was the peeves shot. Oh, hell no. (laughs) That is even bigger than disrespecting Dumbledore. Peeves would not sit at a desk writing. Peeves would be circling McGonagall and like dropping candy and pebbles and shit. I know, I know. I just wanted to see how pissed off you'd get. So they tell her that they think someone's going to try and steal the stone. She's like, no, it's perfectly safe. And also Dumbledore's been summoned by the Ministry of Magic, so he's not here. It's perfectly safe. Just shut the fuck up about the Sorcerer's Stone, okay? So outside in the hallway, Harry, again, using his brilliant logic, thinks that it was Snape who met Hagrid in the pub. And apparently, like, Hagrid couldn't see who he was talking to because they had a cloak on and it was dark, whatever. Thinks that Snape went to the pub to get him to teach him how to get past Fluffy. No evidence. And then Snape shows up to be a creep again. He's like, hmm, what are three Gryffindors doing inside on a day like this? You must be up to something. So rationally, Harry's like, look, we gotta go get the stone. We three 11-year-olds with the magical abilities of, I don't know, Ron's rat, we're gonna go down to that fucking basement and we're gonna get the Sorcerer's Stone before Snape can get it. So their justification somewhat is it's the end of term, so the school's gonna empty out. So this is kind of like the last chance to get it. In your guys' experience, once you had your final exams, how much longer were you at school? That was it. Not long. In fact, fun story about my boarding school. Well, I remember the story about your final year. You had to leave town. 
<laughs> we had to leave town within 24 hours or they would withhold our exam results. But no, in general, it was like a day or two and then we were gone. Yeah. In this scene, like they've already had their finals and then there's this adventure and then there's like indeterminate amount of time and then end of year feast. Yeah, time moves really weirdly in this movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that night, the gang decides to sneak out. And why is Hermione wearing a skirt and tights for shenanigans? I feel like that's not the outfit. You like. You want to wear pants. You want to wear pants if you're going to go fucking around in a dungeon, at the very least. This is England. Touche. Anyways, Neville tries to stop them. He says he's not going to let them do it again. He's not going to let them sneak out and get up to shenanigans and lose the house points. I will say that's not always the best child acting, but Neville's I'll fight you face is genius. (laughs) I'll fight you. (laughs) Right, he says he's going to fight them, but my question here is... How does fucking Neville know about the escapades? We haven't seen him since he broke his wrist. This is a Neville ex machina here. I'll grant you Neville ex machina, but I I do have an explanation now that you've posed the question. They got in trouble for sneaking out and were each deducted 50 points. Right. Which means the next day, people are like, why in the fuck are we down 150 points all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. So word would have gotten around. Okay, that makes sense. You think Draco wouldn't have been talking shit about how he got Gryffindor to lose 150 points? And part of it, part of Neville's thing is, you're going to go out, you're going to get caught, and the whole house is going to be in trouble again. Neville should have been a Hufflepuff. Loyalty's their big thing. Right. Great explanation. All happened off camera, and so this makes this feel very random. Yeah, I'm still granting Neville X Machina, absolutely. And Hermione petrifies him, and they go on their way like, sorry, Neville, but... (laughs) (laughs) And so using the invisibility cloak, they sneak back to where the trap door is, and they find Fluffy sleeping next to a self-playing harp. The invisibility cloak just gets blown off of them by Fluffy sleeping his breathing blows it off and they just leave it on the floor so they're never finding it again (laughs) yeah they're never it's either they're never finding it again well we know they find it again because it comes back in the series but my thought here is oh so now that it's been blown off you you don't need this for the rest of the adventure you are you think you're just gonna take on whatever comes to you in complete visibility i like the fact that whoever well we know it's squirrel but that that was the musical instrument he jumped to, not like a self-playing guitar or a self-playing piano, a harp. Yeah, that's a bitch to lug though that way. <laughs> I, and a piano's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like something handheld, like Hagrid's pipe, dude. Leviosa. <laughs> as long as it'll fit through the doorway. Again, piano would be problematic. Just about anything else. Because Hagrid mentioned that as long as you play music, so like anything would put the dog to sleep. Yeah, fin- finish death metal. Yeah, <laughs> finish death metal. Death metal, bagpipes, a drum set, someone rhythmically slapping cymbals together. It's true. Did not specify that it had to be uh, melodic music. So they move Fluffy's paw off the trap door. And the harp music stops playing. So Fluffy wakes up and they all have to jump down into the trap door without... No, 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 no. What happens is, is that Fluffy wakes up and they are all hesitating around the trap door. So Fluffy eats them all. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, that was gruesome. (laughs) They really spend a lot on the CGI budget for these kids getting eaten by the dog. I I applaud them. (laughs) But no, as we all know, Fluffy, while he might put up a big front, 
really just wants to connect. And that's why he attempts to join their group huddle <laughs> and accidentally drools on Rob. <laughs> yeah, he drools on Rob before they realize he's woken up and jumped out the trap door. So they land into uh, a bunch of vines and are immediately tied up like these aren't vines this is this is the venom symbiote (laughs) it is also the venom symbiote and by the way this scene definitely awakened some kinks and some kids just throwing that out there (laughs) come on i'm getting tied up no i was i was just trying to think of the right way to rebut that it didn't awaken it it more of like implanted them (laughs) implanted because they are plants. oh because it's a plant it's a plant well done well done i didn't even mean to do that so Hermione, again, because she's the only reason why these two dumbasses live through anything, says, like, look, it's devil snare. We got to relax or it's going to kill you faster. And so Harry and Hermione relax and they go through. That was the wrong way to phrase it, though, because they relax and then get swallowed whole. So, of course, Ron's going to freak the fuck out more. Yeah, of course. But, they, yeah, it doesn't kill them. It just lets them fall through into a chamber below. And Hermione has to remember a rhyme to flash it with sunlight. So apparently this plant does not require sunlight to live. No. And so this is the first of many sort of like guards that were put up. Yes. There were protections and every single teacher has put a, a barrier of some sort related to the class they teach in the way. This is the one for herbology, but all it really serves is as a cushion for when you fling yourself down a shaft from the third floor to the dungeon. I mean, you kind of have to have something down there. Otherwise, when you go to get your... Or not, so that whoever's going after the stone just plummets to their death. Right, but it's a point you gotta get it, because Nicholas Flamel's gotta make more elixir, and you gotta go get it. You don't want to break your legs when you go down to get it. Just land on some nice soft devil snare. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you telling me that you don't think Dumbledore could have gotten it himself? Oh, shit, we're going to fight again, aren't we? Because John is Hagrid. (laughs) You've only got like three more guns left. I've bent all the rest of them. (laughs) It's okay, Nick. You just have to caress the air. Um... That'll get you out of it. Get John a nice little dragon's egg. That'll calm him down. That'd be pretty fucking sweet, to be honest. (laughs) So Ron falls to the floor. They hear some flapping, so they go to investigate, and they enter this new chamber where there's a whole bunch of keys with wings flying around, and there's just a broom floating there, almost as if you don't need to say up, just have the fucker float. Like, (laughs) (laughs) So Ron tries to open the door with the opening door spell, and that doesn't work. And Harry, with his protagonist powers, realizes there's got to be a catch. Because even for him, this is too easy. (laughs) Yeah. Ron looks at the door. Look, this door looks old and fucked up. It's got to be a really old key. They look up and they see this old key with fucked up wings. That's got to be the key versus all these other ones. So naturally, this is Harry's time to shine. So he gets on the broom and Mm -hmm. grabs the key. And that unleashes the swarm because these other keys start chasing him like a horde of locusts. He tosses the key to Hermione while he distracts the others. They open the door and there's a whole tense moment where he flies into the antechamber where they are. They close the door and then you have all the keys pegging into the door behind him. This is a good instance to shut the door when you flee the room. Yes. Yes, they needed to do it this time. <laughs> and now they're in a room with a giant chessboard, and the pawns on the other side of the room won't let them pass. And so Ron is like, well, we clearly got to play to get across the board. 
and just so happens to be some empty spaces for Hermione and Harry. I love the challenge of having to play chess to get across the room, but there's clearly a way to walk around the chessboard. <laughs> yes, this is true. It's <laughs> true. You could just walk around the chessboard. <laughs> But the, the second thing is that why do they actually have to win the game of chess when they just have to beat enough pieces to get to the back rank and then run through the door? The, the queen just like animates and comes and like hacks you to death if, unless you win the game. Yeah, they, they have intuited almost everything else with, you know, great accuracy. So this is a reasons moment. Sorry. Yeah. yeah you got me. Yeah. Um, I don't understand the two empty spaces thing. Yeah, I mean, either. Because they need, they need it. The The plot fucking needs it, and we just have to deal with so it. So when all three of them walked in, two spaces opened up. There was clearly another game being played, because there's, like, the corpses of previous chess sets. It totally destroys my, the, the pieces reassemble themselves, because you do see the broken areas. There was a hell of a lot more than two pieces that got smashed. <laughs> No, no, no. Like, there's, like, whole other sets that got smashed, but clearly they didn't make enough pieces to replenish the entire set for this game. There's no point to this. There's no... We're we're about to get it. So, like... Okay, hold on. Was anyone able to see clearly enough whether or not the other knight pieces had a knight on the horse? No. I did not. Okay. That's my only workaround, and I did not see either. Okay. So we get a chess montage where Ron is calling out chess moves and pieces are getting hacked and lots of exploding debris coming towards. What happens when Hermione and Harry take a piece? I was wondering the same thing. Does this piece just suicide itself? (laughs) They they say, tag, you're out. And he has to go sit on the sidelines. (laughs) There's just some huffy pieces sitting in the corner. being like, Oh, man. So now we get Ron has to sacrifice himself. No, the fuck he doesn't. Just get off the horse, sacrifice the piece, and then just keep fucking going. Like, you could still win the game. No, 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 no. We've got to get a there's got to be another way cliche. (laughs) We do need to have another one. Not only the there's got to be another way, but also there is no other way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, there's that. And so, yeah, so Rod moves himself into place. He gets fucked up by the queen, and then Harry can go. No, he doesn't. The queen clearly misses Ron and stabs the horse. Yeah, the queen stabs the horse, and then Ron gets launched in the ensuing explosion. (laughs) Right, and now we get the real reason why this existed, because Hermione is going to stay behind to take care of Ron so Harry can go off and be the awesome wizard that he is. For those of you who don't read, there's another test that snapes. Yeah, but like this, like we're already like seriously pushing the run time here. All right, fine. Well, I keep trying to move things along, and you, this is your episode to edit, John. So you're just you're just hurting yourself now. <laughs> there's no time for that. What are you trying to say? <laughs> so Hermione tells Harry that he's a great wizard, even though she's clearly fucking better than him, and she downplays her own skills for reasons because whatever yeah yeah she also drops a be careful cliche i mean i just want one time a character to say be wild and impulsive <laughs> honestly she she's just like leave harry there and she should go get it because she stands <laughs> a better fucking chance of getting it and so harry goes down a staircase and he feels a scar burn and he sees quirrell standing in the chamber looking at the mirror from earlier where he saw his parents the magical mirror and we get the reveal that he was the one hexing Harry at the Quidditch game. And also we learn that Quirrell let the troll in and Snape cut him off before he could get down there during that time. 
antagonist explains series of unlikely events that led to him. Cliche. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. And so Quirrell looks in the mirror and he says, look, I see myself holding the stone, but I don't know how to get it. And again, did not have budget for Quirrell looking at himself in the mirror. And then a creepy voice tells him to use the boy. But we did have budget for Harry getting a bulge. (laughs) (laughs) We will get to that. And so he tells him to come here. And why does Harry comply? Actually, it looks like Quirrell might have bewitched him and like made him come towards him now that I think about it. I'll run with that. I mean, there's also pants shitting terror. There's also pants shitting terror. (laughs) So Harry looks at his reflection and he sees that his reflection puts the stone in his pocket. And lo and behold, it is in fact in his pocket now. And he's like, you know, what do you see? And he gives him some bullshit story about winning the house cup and the creepy voice that we just heard doesn't buy it. And so Quirrell takes his turban off and not Ray Fiennes gets revealed at the back of Quirrell's head. He gets a join me speech from Darth Vader. And So how the fuck does Voldemort know that the stone is in Harry's pocket? He just knows like, it's well, in Well, as pocket. you will learn five movies from now, mind reading's a thing. Oh, well, fuck you for, <laughs> if you're watching this movie. I will kind of forget it because powerful villain being powerful is, is great conflict, you know. Yep. So Harry tries to run away, but he's stopped by great walls of fire. (laughs) (laughs) And you yell at me for my puns? I regret nothing. I am very proud of that one. And so Voldemort tries to, you know, as Jules was saying, tries to tempt him over to the dark side of the force (laughs) and tells him that he can bring his parents back and, you know, join me. There is no good and evil. There's only power for those who are willing to take it. And Harry's not buying any of this shit. He thinks he's going to betray him because obviously he would. And so Voldemort tells Quirrell to kill him. Harry buys some of that speech. Very For like a hot second. Yes, when he turns into a deliberate murderer. What do you mean he turns into a deliberate murderer? As you were about to say, Quirrell lunges at him and goes to like choke him out and all of a sudden touching Harry burns him. So Harry just runs up and lays hands right on his goddamn face. No, no, this is the thing. Him choking him doesn't burn him. It's only when Harry puts his hand up and touches his face does it start burning. So Harry actually has to touch him. Yeah, go back and watch it. So, wait, wait, wait. So... Harry's powers of death are only in his palms. Apparently. Not in his neck. I, I thought it was just touching him in general, but yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, of course, Quirrell was wise not to shake his hand, you know, for inadvertent death powers, but still. Regardless of the reason that Quirrell, you know, recoiled in horror and pain, Harry still ran over to continue to burn the fuck out of him. Yeah, but he just choked him out. Like, at the same t- like, this is self-defense. There's a wall of fire holding him in. There's this guy in here with a guy on the back of his head trying to kill him. I get this. Murder the... F- Even though it's kind of explained later, I still feel like this is magic hand sex machina. Oh, yeah. No, this is this is bullshit. This reason why he can do this. Quirrell falls apart like he drank from the wrong Holy Grail. Yep. Quirrell is such a horrible person. He deserves an Indiana Jones death. <laughs> Yes. He chose poorly. (laughs) He poorly chose which kid to strike. (laughs) Oh, my God. And so this releases Voldemort from Quirrell's body. And so Voldemort decides that he needs to be inside of a boy before he flees in ghostly form because he goes through Harry's torso. But it doesn't really seem like he went out the other side. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I agree. He believes he needs to inhabit this child. Yep, be inside of a little boy, and then he flees. Oh, man, this is another terrible Dan Radcliffe acting moment, him falling over and passing out. Yeah, but it's also that slow-mo that we filmed in normal motion. (laughs) 
So Harry wakes up in the infirmary and he's surrounded by cards and candy because once again, protagonist. And Dumbledore comes in, lets him know that Ron and Hermione are fine. The stone has been destroyed. Nicholas Flamel was given enough elixir to set his affairs in order, but you know, he's gonna die. And Harry's like, hey, how the fuck was I able to get the stone and Quirrell wasn't? And Dumbledore explained that he set the whole thing up so that only somebody who wanted to find the stone and not use it could get it. Okay, so there's my point. They almost got the stone because Harry was there. Because all he wanted to do was keep it safe. So he wound up with it, which brought it into his trousers. <laughs> Someone who's going down there to retrieve it to resurrect the Dark Lord, that's an intent to use it. They'd never be able to get it. So Harry's involvement and all of the rest of the protections were total bullshit. So you don't need Fluffy. You don't need the fucking key things. That is so true. I mean, they, they discovered Quirrell, I guess. Dumbledore is keenly aware of anyone who's going into the mirror room. Yeah, he's just lurking there, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a hobby he has. (laughs) Anyways, just because the stone is gone doesn't mean Voldemort can't return, so there will be sequels. And this is where we get the fucking explanation of how he was able to Indiana Jones and (laughs) the Last Crusade quirrell, because apparently his mother's love that was imprinted in him that night when she sacrificed herself left a mark inside, and that just let him fucking kill a man. Quirrell was killed with the power of love. And despite everything we've complained about, the greatest crime that this movie commits is that we do not get Huey Lewis in the news <laughs> rocking this out. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but my question here is, the dad also sacrificed himself, so fuck him, his love wasn't good nope. enough? <laughs> We're not exactly sure the circumstances of James's death. It could have just been he broke in and got, you know, they broke in and he got murdered outright. His mom was specifically given the option to get out of the way. Interesting. Okay, that, that might have been it. Again, not explained in this book, so just for the ca- the casual viewer who's coming into this for the first time, reeks of fuck dad. Okay. So Dumbledore uh, takes one of Harry's every flavor beans that are there without asking. Doesn't ask him if he can have some of his candy. Just fucking takes a bean. And he's like, look, I've had some bad luck with these, but maybe I'll, I'll get something good now. He takes a bite. He's like, oh, gross. Earwax. And why does he know what earwax tastes like? Why does he keep sucking it after he realizes? <laughs> That's another great question. Are you questioning why Dumbledore does the things that he does <laughs> and has the knowledge that he has? Down, Hagrid. Down. Greatest wizard ever. all right so harry ron and hermione have a cheesy reunion by a random stairs landing and now it's the final feast of the year so everyone has to wear their dumbest hat damn right still look fucking stupid i don't know what so stupid these hats are so stupid and the halls are decorated in Slytherin colors because they're the house with the most points. And despite the fact that the points have been tallied, Slytherin has won, the fucking flags are up. Yeah, Dumbledore just fucking steals it from him. Yeah, just be like, cool, we're going to give arbitrary points to Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Neville for standing up to his friends. Because, you know, even though it's hard to stand up to your enemies, it's hard, even harder to stand up to your friends. So, oh, God, this pisses me off so much because... Like, oh, yeah, we don't wait till morning assembly to give out what points or what. This shit happens in the girl's bathroom. (laughs) This shit happens in the office when you're assigned detention. And as Dumbledore mentioned, the whole school already knows what happened down there. 
And now it's award ceremony time. But uh, you know what? I'm just going to throw some extra shit out there. In public. Ron did this. Harry did that. Yeah, in public. So he brings them up to tying. And I think Dumbledore actually like realized he fucked up his mental math. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, shit, they're only tied. Neville Longbottom, you get 10 for standing up. And so now everyone thinks Neville's the hero. Uh... Oh, I hate this so much. He can't be wrong because he's Dumbledore, but I, I just have feelings. I, I also wonder why subsequently all the tables are celebrating. Because fuck Slytherin. Because fuck Slytherin, apparently. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of stuff that, that, the kind of Slytherin hating that leads to the Chamber of Secrets. Again, the four personality types, bravery, smarts, evil, <laughs> and miscellaneous. <laughs> I think it's ambition. ambition. I think that's they, yeah, they should pass yeah. it off as ambition. It's technically like ambition and cunning and that sort of thing. But the way the books paint it and like, you know, there's not a wizard that didn't go bad that wasn't in Slytherin. Untrue statement. And I, I really question the whole cunning part. Crab and Goyle do not fit. Yeah, but they got ambition. I could say, yeah, it's more of because of what you value. It may not be your innate thing. Because like, why the fuck is Hermione not in Ravenclaw then? Or Neville in Hufflepuff. That's true, actually. Yeah, so fucked up. <laughs> Anyways, it's time to take the Hogwarts Express back home. And what does this train do outside of transporting students four times a year? Like, they have a whole fucking train just for these four things? It gets turned around. <laughs> it take like, several months to turn the fucker around. <laughs> well, remember, it's going to deliver shipments of three-headed dogs and devil snare and giant wizard chessboards. That's, that's a lot of shit to carry. I disagree. <laughs> and speed off. <laughs> but we do get one more hurry up from Hagrid, which I, was a nice way to round all this shit off. <laughs> yeah, but it's a hurry up and wait because, you know, come on, come on. The train's leaving. Harry, hold up a sec. I got a present. <laughs> yeah, we're going to hold the train for you while I give you a photo album. Yeah, how did Hagrid get the Potter family album? It came with the dragon egg, you know, get a dragon egg, get a free Potter album. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, Harry doesn't know that's part of like everyone knowing the Potter story. This is actually a book that like it's the biography of the parents through the photos. <laughs> and by the way, Hagrid tells him that, hey, you know, you could threaten to do magic against your cousin. He doesn't know that you can't do magic outside of school. I give him a fucking tail. He's scared like right now. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Bullying and abusing and all that shit is terrible. But uh, Hagrid's idea is responding kind. <laughs> Psychologically torture the person who's been bullying you. You got to assert dominance. Oh, man. So now it's time to get on the train. They, they've had this touching moment with the photo album. And Hermione mentions that it feels strange to be going home. But Harry says that he's not going home. Not really. Actually, I kind of like that final line. It's a twist on the let's go home line. So the train pulls away. Hagrid walks away. And John Williams plays us out. Oh, John Williams. Yay, credits! Yep, and that was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. But before we go, as millennials, we know that every movie and TV show has a moral. So, Jules, what did you learn today? I still fucking hate school uniforms. <laughs> oh, and John, what did you learn? I learned the true importance of remembrals. I don't have any. <laughs> And I learned not to struggle. You'll just die faster. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, before we go, we need to tell you what we're doing next time. John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? It's going to be our first anniversary coming around one year. So we are following up to our very first episode. It's going to be <laughs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Fuck yes, it is. Oh, happy anniversary to us. Oh, yes. And what a happy anniversary it'll be. And John, do you have a, have a review to get the folks at home all hot and bothered for our anniversary? Oh, of course I've got a review for you. Okay, here we go. I fully enjoyed the first Mortal Kombat. However, I prefer this one to the first. Uh-oh. <laughs> there are more characters, and the action scenes are expertly directed. The music is also excellent in this sequel as it was in the original. This is one of the best martial arts movies I've seen, and it is 100% faithful to the video game. This sequel has more intensity than the first and is what makes it so enjoyable. And the fact that Nick is laughing should tell you that Jules has not actually watched this movie yet. <laughs> I've already seen it, and this is such it's amazing. It sounds like a boring review if you've never seen this movie. <laughs> it is none of these things. Oh, my God. Uh, well, Jules will have seen it by next time. And that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you give us a five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. Links to both of those are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind.